Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Good morrow, everyone. <clears throat> um, we uh, are in the midst of preparing to answer your questions on any subject. That's right. Our last show of the week. So we are going to do our best to answer your questions on any subject. You can call in at 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. You have questions about film, television, books, business, radio, the business of radio, cocktails. You need advice about something? You have questions about my personal history? You're curious about who my fourth grade teacher was? Questions about pro wrestling, gambling, Atlantic City, local politics, national politics, restaurants, New York at large? The criminal justice system, aliens, the mob, any hypothetical questions? We've gotten some good hypothetical questions over the years. Questions about my personal preferences, questions about your relationships, baseball questions, the culture, religion, foreign policy, you name it. Uh, We are going to do, for the hour, a... The Other Side of Midnight proudly presents Ask Frank. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. And in order to sweeten the pot a little bit, uh, whoever comes up with the best, most interesting, and most creative question, as judged by Matt Blaze, Avery, and Kenneth, uh, because Alex is out today and all of next week. I have a feeling it's going to be mostly Matt Blaze because Avery doesn't seem to care too much. And Kenneth is he, he looks a little overwhelmed by the amount of work that Alex has left him without any instructions on how to do. So we'll apologize in advance for any technical difficulties. So in the if you're if you whoever comes up with the most creative question in the eyes of Matt Blaze, we're going to give you a complimentary other side of midnight piece of merchandise, maybe a T-shirt, maybe a cap. Whatever the case may be, all you have to do is dial 800-848-9222. Let us begin with Pete in Piscataway. It's that away. Hello, Pete. Hi, Frank. Frank, do you have any favorite World War II films, but the films made between 1942 and 1945? Oh, um, so that would exclude Casablanca because uh, Casablanca was 1941, right? Or I guess I think oh, it's 40, yeah, Casablanca 40, was forty two. Forty three, yeah, okay. Forty three. So I, I would say it's Casablanca. Gotta be Casablanca. I love Casablanca. Well, I would say have a Guadalcanal diary or you know, one of those like that too. Yeah, which one would you say? Well, there's a couple of good ones. Guadalcanal Diary, A Wing and a Prayer, and A Walk in the Sun are really three good films uh, well, to check out. I, I yeah, I'm familiar with uh, a walk in the sun. I uh, I have heard of a wing and a prayer. I'm n- I'm not familiar with that second one that you mentioned. What was that? 
a Guadalcanal diary with Lloyd Nolan and uh, Anthony Quinn, actually. Ah, I, I will check it out. I'll put it on my list. But uh, I have to say my pick is still Casablanca. That is absolutely my favorite, uh, my favorite World War II film of that period. Eddie's in Phoenix, Arizona. Hello, Eddie. Hi, Frank. How you doing? Great. Um, yeah, I want to know who's the Republican uh, Senate nominee to run against Chuck Schumer in New York? Joe Pinion. P-I-N-O-E-N? Uh, P-I-N-I-O-N. He's uh, actually been on this show before. Uh, I've known him a long time. He's uh, actually a real nice guy, a great guy. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask you, about the swing states, do you see Georgia and Arizona being uh, swing states for the next couple cycles? Or do you think it was like a one-time fluke? No. Or maybe they're just going to go straight Democrat? No, I don't know. No, I, I don't think they're going to go straight Democrat. I think they're very competitive states, uh, both this year and in two years. Uh, where we are uh, six years and eight years from now, I can't say. But uh, I think for the time being, for the foreseeable future, they're absolutely swing states. 800-848-9222. Neil is on Staten Island. Hello, Neil. Hey, Frank. Yeah, you know, I'm a very big James Bond fan. And uh, he's always playing Baccarat. And I know you're a Baccarat player. And whenever I see Sean Connery playing Baccarat, I think of you. And I was wondering, how difficult is the game? And is the object of the game to get as close to nine as possible? And have you ever been at a table with a real high-stakes game and walked away with a huge amount of money? Um, Well, a couple of things. One... Uh, James Bond, I'm a James Bond fan too, although I haven't seen the last uh, couple of films, but the only film that with Sean Connery where he plays Baccarat, I believe, is Dr. No. The original Casino Royale, the book, and then the, the uh, black and white version of, of Casino Royale, which preceded the Sean Connery films, where James Bond is actually played by an American. Uh, there's Baccarat in that game, and then in the uh, first version, first color version of Casino Royale with uh, Peter Sellers, David Niven, Woody Allen, Orson Welles, that uh, also features a lot of, of Baccarat. But after Dr. No and that version of Casino Royale, I don't think there was a lot of Baccarat in the James Bond films. But to answer your question, uh, Baccarat is the easiest game in the world. I don't even like to tell people how easy it is because I enjoy, when I'm at the Baccarat table, being the only person that's not Chinese because a lot of Western non-Asian players are intimidated because there's a lot of Chinese players there and they're all speaking Chinese to one another and they have dragons and monkeys and they have a big board and people think it's a complicated game. It's not. It's almost the equivalent of betting on a coin toss and uh, it's, it's difficult for me to explain without a visual cue, but the way it works is There are two, and there are all sorts of bets you could make. There are only two bets that I make, banker and player. Now, you have to pick which hand, banker or player, is going to be closer to nine. So it really is like betting on a coin toss. Um, Tens and picture cards are zero. So if you get a nine and a ten, let's say, they call that a natural nine. If you get uh, a ten and an eight, that's a natural eight. No more cards. Now, if it's anything less than, uh, I think, a, a six for the, uh, a six or a five, then, or excuse me, a six or a seven, then they draw a third card, but the rules are still the same. Whoever is closest to nine wins. So you're betting, basically, is it going to be A or B? 
that's closer to nine. Um, but I, I've done well. I, I mean, I, it's not unusual for me to p- play Baccarat and win thousands. My last trip to uh, to Atlantic City, I don't want to get into exactly how much that I, I won, but I played mostly Baccarat and, and won a, a pretty healthy amount of money. Great, Frank. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you, Neil. 800-848-9222. Two open lines. If you want to jump on board, we are going to give a prize away for the best uh, the best question, 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Dave in New Jersey. Hello, Dave. Hey, I know you both. we're both into bobblehead dolls. My question to you is, do you think a bobblehead should be made of someone who's becoming pretty famous with the birth date of May 29th, 1984? <laughs> no, I I don't, Dave. Uh, I, uh, I whoever you're describing sounds pretty pretty not not bobblehead worthy in my book. That's for sure. Dave is in Comac. Hello, Dave. Hey, how are you, Dave? I got a question for you. Go ahead. I'm ready. I heard about the raid on uh, Trump's house yesterday. Mm-hmm. Right, in Florida. Right. And then uh, Garland, something about nuclear uh, secrets that Trump had taken with him from the White House. Mm-hmm. Really. What's what? What's his purpose for taking uh, classified information from the White House like that? Why? Well, how do I know? That's a question you'd have to ask Donald Trump. <laughs> I think the fact the 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 the, uh, the fact that he actually did that <laughs> would cause nobody to vote for him. You can't be trusted anymore. Well, we'll see what the search warrant says. I am hoping that the Trump team does not contest what. Uh, the Department of Justice and Merrick Garland are trying to do in allowing the judge to make the search warrant public because I think the American people have a right to know why uh, there was a search warrant executed on a former president's home and on the home of a future presidential candidate. What were they looking for? What reason did they have to believe that it was there? So let's see the search warrant and then we can make our uh, judgment about what it what it uh, what it says. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Let me say hello. To Rob in Phoenix, Arizona. Hello, Rob. Hi, Frank. I called you. Rob, didn't you just call as Eddie a few minutes ago? Eddie is my good friend. He came with me to Arizona, actually. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, go ahead. What's on your mind? I called you a couple of weeks ago, asked you what you believe a woman is. You told me it's a person with two X chromosomes. Mm -hmm. Well, Last night you had someone on, and they said they're married to a man who identifies as a woman. And you said you like you agree to it. And I wanted to know what you hold. What's your actual opinion? Wait, wait I, I'm not. I'm sure. I'm not sure. I understand the question. Last night. Yeah, I remember last night. So, on. what's your question, Rob? What's your question? My question. Your question is blank. Go ahead. Do you believe that a male that identifies as a woman is a woman? It's such a difficult question, honestly. Um, I don't think you can go so far as to say uh, I'm a woman and all of a sudden now you're a woman. So, no, I'm going to say no, even though I got an email today. And thank you for the question, Rob. I got an email today from someone who's transgender, and I'm hoping she's going to post this in the Facebook group. If she doesn't, then I'm going to post it with taking out her name because it was a very thoughtful email. And she made a very strong case as to why what I thought Demi Lovato was doing that was so strange is not that strange. I still happen to think it's strange. But I don't think you can just say I'm a woman. I don't. I, I, I think there has to be some material physical transformation, uh, whether that's surgical, whether that's chemical. 
I don't think you should just be able to wake up one day and say, uh, you know, I, I feel pretty. Oh, so pretty today. I'm a woman. I don't I don't think you should be able to do that. I, I don't think that's what the scientific definition of a woman is. I don't think it's what the sociological definition of a woman is. But um, beyond that, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Mark in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Hello, Mark. Hello. How are you doing, buddy? Great, Mark. What's on your mind? Um, just, I'm... I have heart problems, and I have a stroke. Oh, sorry. And the gentleman that was was so, so nice to me on the phone, and I had to tell him where I'm from and so forth, but he got the question, and he laughed a little bit, so just tell him I appreciate it. Okay, so did you did you have a question, Mark? Yeah, yeah. What okay, what is underwear it? are you wearing? I am wearing boxer shorts. Boxer shorts. Okay. I'm a boxer guy. I uh, I do have some a, a couple of boxer briefs, but I am a boxer guy through and through. Now, th- those are my app. That's my go-to undergarment. Absolutely, boxer shorts. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two twenty ninety two twenty two. Jacqueline is in Greeny. Hello, Jacqueline. I'm in Greenwich Village. Actually. Ah, okay. All right. We we got a uh, hi. Hi. All right. Here's my question. What's the best piece of advice you were ever given? Oh, that is a great, great piece. That's a great question. And I'm going to say it's not a piece of advice that was given to me directly, but it's a piece of advice that probably shaped my life more than almost anything. And it was a piece of advice that Rush Limbaugh gave to a caller that was interested in breaking into the field of talk radio. And uh, it was it was actually 11 pieces of advice, and I wrote every one of them down, and I keep it in my office, and I still look at, at those 11 tips that he gave every day. But the second piece of advice that he gave this caller, and it had nothing to do with radio necessarily, it could help people in any field, it certainly helped me a great deal, is Rush told this person, uh, this caller, to learn how to read, write, and speak the English language to the best of your ability. Because if you can do that, you will convey to people, whether it's true or not, the impression that you're very intelligent. And that really did change my life. After hearing that, I was always interested in words, but I really made a concerted effort to learn how to read, write, and speak well. And I think I do all three of those things fairly well. Not perfect, but I don't know that anyone does it perfectly. And um, I I am, at best, slightly above average intelligence. I would say I'm probably average intelligence. But because, you know, I, I don't leave those dangling participles anywhere, some people think I'm much more intelligent than I am. That piece of advice from Rush Limbaugh, life-changing. And again, it wasn't directed specifically to me, but it was something that I took as being directly to me. 800-848-9222. Joe is in New Jersey. Hello, Joe. Hey, Frank. I got uh, two quick questions. Mm-hmm. One, just I'm curious, how how does the ratings know that I'm listening to you at work on a little transistor radio? That's like just a personal question I'm curious about. Like, how do you get credit? Like, if everybody listened just on a radio, how do they know that? And then yeah. I'm just going to answer that. Then I have a question about, uh, you know, to stimulate you. Okay, well, so I'm not going to spend too much time on the first question just because I've answered it so many times in this hour, okay. but I'll, I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. So if you're listening on a radio 
unless you have a PPM device on you, it doesn't know that you're listening to me. The radio ratings uh, of people that listen on the radio are imprecise. It's an, it's an estimate of who's listening based on a sample of people that theoretically represent every radio listener in the, in the market. So if you're listening to me on your transistor radio, unless you're wearing a PPM device, nobody, we don't, nobody knows that you're listening to me. Oh, I'm I'm sorry that I I'm not helping you. Uh, your that's okay. Uh, that's okay. Uh, as long as you're listening, that's the important thing. What was your other question? Go the, ahead. The question, uh, just to kind of uh, for conversation, is what song comes on the radio that either when you just miss it, you get really mad that you you wished you could have caught it, or like if it's just coming on, you say everybody be quiet, you turn it up. Like uh, for me, it's Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, scenes from an Italian restaurant, like some some of the classics that Bad Out of Hell. Like you know, I. I I get upset if I miss it, and if it's just coming on, I uh, crank it up because those are songs you don't hear often you um, want to enjoy. Yeah, uh, so a lot of the songs that I really enjoy, I, they don't necessarily come on the radio that Mr. much. Mr. Bob I, I've never Mr. heard, Dubbelina, except on our show, I've never Dubbelina. heard this song anyway, Mr. Bob Dubbelina. But if I, the one that immediately comes to mind, if you ask me tomorrow, I might have a different answer. But the one that immediately comes to mind is Roxanne. I just love hearing Roxanne on the radio. And if I'm changing the channel and I have about 50 or 50 presets on my radio and I go, you know, one through, you know, 50, always I kind of go in the same order all the time. And if I hear that I've just missed Roxanne, I'm a little ticked off. Uh, so it's not my favorite song, but it is the song that first came to mind when you answered that, when you asked that question. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. We're doing an Ask Frank Anything. We have one open line, and uh, we are going to give a prize away for whoever comes up with the best question this hour. 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's been said and done. Every Love You Like a Love Song. I am now a fan of Selena Gomez uh, because of that Woody Allen picture that she did, uh, A Rainy Day in New York. I loved, loved, loved her performance in that film. So I'm now, I'm converted. I'm, I, I am, you know how you can identify as a male or a female or black or white? Uh, I am now identifying as a young person. Because I have decided that I'm now a fan of Selena Gomez. So there you have it. All right. We are answering your questions on any subject as we do in the first hour of our last week, uh, last show of the week. As we do. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The other side of midnight proudly presents Ask Frank. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Frank, anything. Ask Frank, anything. All right, got an email question here. Uh, email user by the name of Kickflip asks the question, how long will the SMS block last? Uh, I think the the context of this is he kept, uh, he or she kept text messaging me during the show, and anyone's welcome to text message me at 816-8-MORANO. But the idea is you text me, I look at it, you know, and maybe I'll respond on the air. Maybe I'll respond to you directly. This guy was or gal was texting me incessantly throughout the show. And it was it was distracting and annoying. So I blocked him. And the truth is, uh, I probably would have unblocked him. I can't figure out how to unblock <laughs> unblock him. So if I could figure that out after the show, how to unblock his text messages, I will do so. And uh, if I can't, then he'll remain blocked. It's a, an incentive not to be annoying, I suppose. Frank is in Queens. Hello, Frank. Hey, Frank. I'm actually outside, so I'm going to be a little quiet. <laughs> You're outside the radio quickly. station? No, no, oh. no. I'm outside of my house. Um, just recently, I got a letter from the IRS saying that I owe them $5. So my question to you is, have you ever been audited? Uh, and do you think you will be? I've never been audited, but I have had the IRS tell me that uh, I, I uh, owe them mo- more money than I believed that, you know, than I filed on my tax returns and had to uh, pay a, you know, pay an additional uh, fee before. But no, I've never gone through the process of an IRS audit, although now that uh, I think they're adding 80,000 IRS agents, I would say all our odds of being audited have gone up significantly. Well, I agree, and it's in that context that I thought about this because $5, Frank, are you kidding me? Yeah, well, it's not even worth the postage to send you that letter. Am I right? All right, 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. John is in New Jersey. Hello, John, what's your question? Yes, the news media that came up uh, with that uh, information about the nuclear uh, you know, report. How do they know that is true? Who told them? Uh, We don't. uh, We don't. I mean, they're citing sources. I'm always a little, a little, um, a little skeptical of these unnamed sources, but I I believe, I believe that's made up like, you know, what they did in 2016 to Donald Trump. Well, so made a story about uh, him and uh, Russia collusion. Right. Well, so in the case, and, all right. Thank you, John. In the case of the uh, Washington Post story, which is the one that cited uh, that they were uh, looking for documents related to nuclear weapons, the way that they phrased it was sources familiar with the investigation. And that's interesting because that they you know, they didn't say an FBI source, a Justice Department source, a law enforcement source, a government source. They just said sources familiar with the investigation. That could be someone around Trump. That could be someone, uh, you know, an attorney somewhere along the line, or could be 
I don't know, could be somebody at, at the Department of Justice. We don't know. I thought that was a very vague way to phrase the sources, and they made it plural. But look, we'll see. Uh, hopefully that we get to see this search warrant this afternoon at 3 p.m., and hopefully the judge releases it, and we get to see what all the, uh, all the fuss is about, right? 800-848-9222. Sharon is in New Jersey. Hello, Sharon. Yes, good evening. I love your show. Thank you. Uh, oh, you're welcome. Uh, I um, would like to pose a question to you, which is, uh, do you think that robotic horses, uh, just like robotic people with faces and, and all sorts of muscle uh, imitations, would be a very good solution to pull the carriages in New York City plus uh, would be also solar-powered or electric for the wave of the future and could be possibly good for police. Well, yeah, uh, Sharon, I love that idea. I am not going to speak to the policing aspect of it because I'm not an expert in in policing or how the police use these horses for crowd control and how this theoretical mechanical horse would work. But, yes, I love that idea. I I think that, um, you know, I've used the comparison before to that episode of The Twilight Zone where they outlaw boxing by humans in the future and all the boxing, all the boxers are robots. I feel not only that that way for horse-drawn carriages on the streets of Manhattan, but for horse racing. I mean, I'd love to see uh, – I, I love horse racing. I love the act of betting on it. I love the, um, you know, going out to the racetrack. I love the whole pomp and circumstance of buying a horse. I love everything about the ceremony except I, I don't like what they do to the horses. And I know there's a big debate about this, and I'm not going to stoke the flames of this right now. But I'd like to see those maybe one day replaced with mechanical horses as well. Uh, 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Tom in the Bronx. Hello, Tom. Yes, Frank. The best, in my opinion, I'll see if you concur, the best uh, movie that was ever made on spying to me was North by Northwest. It was the most honest spy movie I've ever seen. In other words, the, the way um, Cary Grant was in that, there uh, there was uh, theatrical, a lot of theatrics used, but it, the theme to me was very uh, true. All right, so uh, is is your question uh, what the best spy movie was? Well, in other words, if they t- t- I see if you agree <clears throat> And North by Northwest was the best spy movie ever made of the Cold War. Uh, well, Cold it, War feature. Well, thanks, Tom. In terms of Cold War films, the two that immediately come to mind, and they're somewhat similar, though one's a comedy, one's a drama. Um, actually, there's three that come to mind for me. The three that immediately come to mind are Failsafe, uh, Doctor Strangelove, and Seven Days in May. Now, none of those three films really deal extensively with with spying. Um, but if we're talking specifically about spy films during the uh, during the Cold War, 
Huh. Uh, you know, I like North by Northwest a lot, uh, but I like also a lot of those uh, those James Bond films, uh, those early James Bond films, especially. They're fun, and uh, I think I think they do a good job of uh, I don't know keeping you riveted. It's a fun film. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let me say hello to John in Brooklyn. Hello, John. Hello, Frank. Live long and prosper. Likewise. I, Peace and long you... life. Excited to hear, and this I think is plausible speculation, that the next generation cast may be aboard a new Federation starship, USS Enterprise J. At, uh, I think it's the designation. This will be after the one in, in the last movie, Nemesis. Yeah, no, I, I hadn't heard that, actually. And so I, I this is the first I'm hearing of it. I try to not go into a lot of Star Trek series or films that I know I'm going to watch knowing too much. I like to go in fresh, sort of be a blank slate, and maybe I'll read an article like when the when Picard first came out. I went and read an article about the episodes of The Next Generation that you should watch before watching Picard so that the aspects of that story were fresh in my mind. But uh, this is the first I'm hearing of uh, what you're saying. But I'm, I will be excited whenever that comes to uh, whenever that comes to fruition, right? 800-848-9222 if you want to uh, call in with a question. We are going to give a prize to whoever comes up with the most creative question. There are two open lines now. Ellen writes... Have you ever faced a real crisis or a test of your conscience? See, that's a question I wish I'd gotten earlier in the day because I'm sure that I could have come up with something. But I really don't – I really – I don't want to say that I've not faced a test of my conscience or a crisis, but I can't think of one. So I don't uh, – I don't have a good answer for that one, unfortunately. But that's one of those ones. See, if it's a question like that that requires a little thought and you're going to email rather than call, or even if you are going to call, email me a couple hours before so I have a couple hours to think of something. I'm sorry I don't have a better answer to that one. 800-848-9222. Bill is in Huntington. Hello, Bill. Okay. I have a question about the X-Men, okay? Now, they have this guy named Magneto, mm-hmm. and his superpower – is a magnetic influence over anything that's metal. And if you shoot a bullet at him or you fire an artillery shell at him, he can project it back at you and kill you, okay? Now, what my question is, why can't they just blow him up with a stick of dynamite? Yeah, I, I, it's a good question. I don't know. I know that when they've um, they've done battle with Magneto before, both in the television program in the comics and in the films, a lot of times they'll use things like, um, you know, plastic bullets and things like uh, like that. I don't know. Uh, it's a good question. I, I I guess the realistic answer is because that would end the comic or the motion picture or the episode of the TV series in the first five minutes rather than have it play out over the course of a whole comic or a whole film or a whole episode of the TV show. I, I I don't know that I can give you an in-universe answer for that. I think the answer is just a practical one. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Mario is in Manhattan. Hello, Mario. Mario. All right, Mario's got other things to do. 800-848-9222. Irv is in Oceanside. Hello, oh, Irv. 
Hey, uh, Frank, I really enjoy your program. Thanks. Especially since I uh, retired and I'm able to stay up uh, nights. Um, I have sort of an existential question that's prompted by your uh, whimsical statement that you intend to identify as a young person. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm about to hit a milestone age in a few days. Congratulations. Oh, great. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Um, Having a little trouble with it. I never felt this way when I turned 30, 40, 50, or 60, but I'm feeling a little trepidation, a little bit of uh, a sense of mortality setting in. So what advice would you give me for uh, best handling this? You know, Irv, I don't know that I'm the best uh, person to ask because I I feel that same sense of mortality whenever I have and, and trepidation whenever I have a birthday, which is why I never make a big deal of my birthday. But I, I think people that are smarter than me would probably uh, give you the advice to think of uh, uh, to be appreciative and grateful of all the things that you have in your life at 70 and the fact that you've made it to 70 when I'm sure you've had a lot of friends and family members that haven't made it this far. And, uh, the, the fact that, um, you know, you still have a, a long way to go these days. 70 is not, uh, is not at all considered old. It's uh, we've really come a long way, even in the last 15 to 20 years. And if you're retired, I mean, the beauty of uh, being 70 and retired, especially now that inflation is, is going to give all the social security recipients a, uh, a nice jacked up social security check is that you're going to have more money than the rest of us. The rest of us don't get to have uh, inflation adjusted paychecks, but social security recipients do. So in some ways you get to laugh all the way to the bank without having to worry about the commute to work. Well, that's uh that's certainly good advice. Uh, gratitude and attitude. Let's uh, sum up what you just said. Happy birthday, Irv. And uh, I'm going to be in Deer Park uh, tonight. So uh, come, come on by if you're, if you're close to there. All right. I'll, I'll, Really consider that. Thanks, right. Frank. Thank you, Herb. 800-848-9222. One, two, three. Open lines if you want to comment. Not comment. If you have a question about anything, 800-848-9222. We'll continue straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. This is Warrior by Scandal. If uh, you ever want to know what kind of bumper music we're playing, just join our Facebook group. On Facebook, just search Morano Radio Fans and Haters. That's M-O-R-A-N-O Radio Fans and Haters. Uh, Answering your questions on any subject at 800-848-9222 as we do... 
The Other Side of Midnight proudly presents Ask Frank. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. And right now we have three open lines, which is actually pretty rare. We never have that during this hour. Usually the lines are kind of blowing up. So now's your opportunity if you have a question to uh, call in and ask it. 800-848-9222. You can ask questions about uh, anything you like, and I'll do my best to answer them. Now, if it's a trivia question, I wouldn't bother asking because either I know it or I don't. But if it's a question that's sort of open-ended and I can opine and give my opinion and it makes other people think about how they would answer the question, th- those, I think are, um, those I think are the best sort of questions. You know what I describe a lot of these um, the que- questions that I like? Um, Barguments. You know, there was a book years ago uh, called Barguments, and it's all about um, questions or arguments that you have in a bar to which there's no right answer and that you could you could argue about forever. Right. I like those kind of questions. But sometimes people call in and ask questions that they're really genuinely curious about, like, uh, oh, uh, Frank, what made you say this or what's your opinion on that? I'm happy to answer those questions, too. Other times people will ask about, um, you know, an aspect of my biography that they're not familiar with. I'm happy to answer those questions, too. Uh, Or some practical advice. One guy asked for legal advice one time. I was not able, obviously I'm not a lawyer, but I told him what I would do if I was in his shoes. So 800-848-9222. Pat is in New Jersey. Hello, Pat. Hi, Frank. I'm glad you're back. Thank you. Okay. Now, the TV show uh, Cheers, I know you said um, Rachel had never seen it, so you were having her watch it. That's right. Who Who is your favorite, Diane or Rebecca, and why? Ooh, uh, so I like them both. Uh, I give a and I we did a whole, I did a whole thing on Facebook about this, but I I would go with Rebecca. Uh, I like Rebecca, uh, Diane. Um, I like too, but uh, I mean, I, I it depends if we're talking about as a friend, a coworker, or as a romantic interest. But I think all three. My preference would be. Rebecca, I am quite fond of Kirstie Alley. I think she's still an incredibly attractive woman, so she's definitely someone I'd like to date. In terms of being a friend, Diane was just a little too pretentious for me to want as a a friend. Uh, I like that Rebecca's a little bit more of a mess, and uh, you know, I feel like I, I'd feel better about myself having a friend that was constantly in in a state of crisis, whereas Diane would be, you know, lecturing me about European opera houses, which uh, would make me feel even even less secure in my own uh, intelligence. But look, I, I like them both as characters. I like them both with their, um, you know, lo- relationships with Sam Malone. I thought they were both yeah. great for the show, and I thought they're both played by great actresses. But I, I think my preference would be Rebecca. What about you, Pat? Uh, no, I prefer Diane. I'll tell you why. She couldn't help the way she was. That was her upbringing. And when she had the chance to explain why she was the way she was, and she was down to earth. I remember there was one show with, um, what was that little waitress's name, the short one? Carla. I can't think. Carla, right. She was so nice to her. I wanted to see her marry Sam. And Rebecca, to me, was a little too whiny. Mm. Um, and I, I think Diane made a mistake, or her real name, I forget. Shelley. 
very long. And leaving the show. Yeah, you know, it's right. funny. One of the things that I was watching a lot of when I was in Cape May was old episodes of the Johnny Carson Tonight Show. And uh, Johnny Carson's interviewing Shelley Long in one of these episodes. And he asks her about her decision to leave Cheers. And basically she said she did it for her family and to have more time with her, her family. But I almost get the sense in watching her response to Carson's question, not based on anything he, she said, but just based on sort of her body language, her tone, that she regretted that a little bit. Now, Pat, I do want to get to some other people, but um, what um, w- uh, if you had to pick between Coach or Woody, where would you go there? Oh, Coach. coach. I adore Coach. Yeah, I'm with he you on that wonderful. one. I'm with you on that one, yeah. Pat. Thank you. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Carmen in Linden, New Jersey. Hello, Carmen. Hello, Frank. I just wanted to know uh, if you've ever spent some time on a crap table playing the don't side and what you think of playing the don't side. I don't like playing the don't side. I have done it mostly if there's somebody that's played the don't side against me. I sort of do it to get back at them. But I don't like it. I, I feel like it's bad karma. I like to be on the same side as everyone with the table. I like when I'm shooting for everybody to be rooting for me. So uh, I, I hear you. I don't like the don't I, side, I, but I hear you. you know, you know what I'm a, a big believer in. Whether it's craps, whether it's blackjack, whether it's baccarat, uh, poker, yeah. whatever else, I don't like to tell people how to bet with their money. If you want to, you know, if you want to give me money, by all means, tell me how you want me to bet it. But it's your Absolutely. money; you earned it. Bet however you want to bet. Uh, but I don't like the karma of the don't side. Can I say two things real quick? Sure. Okay, on a on a blackjack table, that's why I hate the people with the basic strategy. I love to sit in the last seat because I've been I'm seventy three years old. Okay, I've been playing craps my entire I mean craps blackjack. and blackjack my entire life. And the other thing about craps, I agree with you. All night long, I play the do side. I I play the middle. I play everything, and I'm rooting with the people. Late at night, when I find a table where I'm by myself, that's when I go to the don't side, yeah. and that's when I. Luckily, make some money. But nice talking to you, Frank. And I hope I see you in the Brigada sometime. I, I hope so, Lucky too. I am, uh, I am planning to return Labor Day weekend to Atlantic City. I don't know where I, I'm going to end up playing, but uh, I will be in Atlantic City. That's my plan, Labor Day weekend. 800-848-9222. Harrison is on Long Island. Hello, Harrison. Hey, Frank. How are you? Great. I just had a question. I wanted to know... What's the deal with you and Curtis? Do you two really have a beef? No, and I say this all – I feel like I get this question like four times a week. I never say anything negative about Curtis, uh, you know, unless I'm kind of teasing him. But no, I think Curtis, if you listen to his kind of teasing me, it, it, you know, he's always couching it with, uh, oh, Frank Morano's annoying, but he's the greatest interviewer ever. Or, uh, oh, you know, Frank's the worst. He's always saying this and that. Uh, but you got to listen to him for four hours. Uh, Curtis is an incredibly close friend. He's a gifted broadcaster. He's somebody that's helped me personally a lot. Uh, he's somebody that whenever I have personal, political, or professional 
questions. He's one of the first people that I call, one of my closest friends. And uh, I don't think Curtis is someone that has a lot of friends, to be honest. But I think if he were to answer honestly about who his close friends were, I think I'd be uh, up there as well. I love Curtis. Uh, We are incredibly close. And uh, there's no beef at all on my side. And I don't think there's any beef (laughs) on his side as well either. Uh, Although, I'll tell you what does tick me off. And and he's lent us his spy, Avery, as our telephone talent coordinator for the day. Is, you know what? So Curtis and I are friends, right? We're coworkers. We're colleagues. We took over a political party together and ran a political party together for two years. We worked together as his producer, and the producer-host relationship, when done well, is a very intimate one. We worked together in that role for about 12 years. And yet, when I have called his weekend overnight show the last few times, he keeps me on hold for three, four (laughs) hours without ever going to my call. That does tick me off. I got to tell you. And I'm not sure... If that's to blame, if if Avery's to blame for that, or if that's a Curtis thing, or if it's uh, Broadway Bill Lee, whatever, that yeah, does annoy that? me. But it annoys me until I go to sleep, and then I'm I'm over it. 800-848-9222. Peter is in Queens. Hello, Peter. Yes, I have a question. Uh, it's personal, so uh, that's the question. I had a problem with a judge uh, at the Supreme Court. I want to know who pays the judge. Well, it depends on what kind of court. Uh, Supreme Court for Queens. Well, the state of New York pays the, pays them. Oh, they're on a salary? Yeah. Yeah. Because what's happened with my personal thing is that he had the case extended and extended and extended and I'm wondering if he's just doing it just because he gets paid for it. No, or... no, no, no. No, look, I, I, I don't know the details of your specific case, Peter, and I wish you the best of luck with it. But um, and a lot of judges are just bad judges, especially in New York. And I, I chronicled that uh, yesterday a little bit. But the, he's not doing it because he gets paid more. Uh, no, uh, they're on a salary. They make about state Supreme Court justice makes about 200 grand uh, in this. And they're not exactly digging ditches or uh, or doing brain surgery. So uh, they're doing pretty well. But uh, it's not if he's delaying your case, it's not because he's getting more money from them. 800-848-9222. Tom is in Hell's Kitchen. Hello, Tom. Hello, Frank. Uh, my question is, what would be your second choice for neighborhoods to grow up in if you couldn't grow up in Staten Island? Ooh, that is it has, a, choose, it has to be the other four boroughs. Uh, it has to be within the other four boroughs. I would say, uh, I would say Bensonhurst. Bensonhurst okay. or Bay Ridge. You know, that's where my, my parents are from, and uh, they had a pretty good upbringing, and there's a lot of great places uh, that I like over there. Um, and uh, I have a lot of friends that also live there and grew up there. And uh, it's close to everybody that I know in, you know, in the area where I actually did grow up. So I would pick Bensonhurst or Bay Ridge. Great question, though, Tom. 800-848-9222. Marty is in Maplewood. Hello, Marty. Good morning, Frank. Uh, your show is uh, certainly addictive. Thank um, you. Frank, are you one who uh, would hold back from uh, giving your wife or telling your wife or any really um, close loved one information 
that you might think might be harmful to them, even though you know that they would want to know it. Well, uh, give me an example of uh, of something that would be harmful that you might hold back. Uh, something that uh, possibly a close friend of theirs said or, or did that uh, you know that might um, influence your uh, your loved one in a in in the wrong manner. In other words. Something that something that you would, um, if you want to, say, I guess, I guess, in terms of a relationship, where uh, because those are the things that really hurt, where you find that that there's someone who uh, who uh, you really thought that um, that they had a wonderful relationship, but really doesn't really doesn't feel that way about the person that you care for, and. Uh, you would uh, you wouldn't want to devastate them because you know how they feel about that person, but at the same time, um, you know that that your loved one would want to know that information. Yeah, um, you know, Marty, I, I think I'd have to be uh, I'd have to know the specific uh, circumstance in terms of uh, the kind of information you're talking about. I, I you wouldn't generalize them. Yeah, as, as a general rule, I, I wouldn't. I don't think I would keep anything. From my wife, she's kind of the one person that I tell just about everything to. Um, but is there a scenario, you know, if if her sister said uh, or if her mother said to me, you know, don't say anything, but uh, uh, Rachel's uh, Rachel's father isn't really her father. Would I tell her um, and if the mother in law, if my mother in law asked me not to? I probably would. I probably would, actually. Uh, so I don't know. I, I don't know. I'd have to be confronted with that specific circumstance uh honestly so we'll see al is in yonkers hello al yeah hi frank you know frank as you know the last governor who was republican uh, who won in 2002 was george pataki he ran as a pro-choice republican because you know the statistics show that it's a pro-choice state suburban women and all uh, i happen to be a right to life republican a catholic uh i wanted to ask you your own personal opinion uh, Lee Zeldin is a Republican, but he's also a right to lifer. Do you think that will cost him possibly the election? His stance uh, being pro-life with the uh, recent uh, overturning of Roe v. Wade. Uh, well, yes, I, I do. I do think it will hurt him. Um, I don't know that he would have won even without that uh, Dobbs decision, sure. uh, but uh, I do. Th- it certainly doesn't help. But I will say this though. If you look at the FBI raid at Mar-a-Lago now, politically, that's what everybody's talking about. And it goes to show you that has um, has knocked abortion right off of the forefront of what's the political issue du jour. Before that, everyone was talking about the economy and inflation. Before that, everybody was talking about vaccine freedom. So it just goes to show you in politics, a week really is a lifetime. Uh, Who would have thought two weeks ago we would be spending this amount of time and energy discussing this raid at Mar-a-Lago? So who knows what else is going to happen between now and November. But there's no way that Zeldin's pro-life stance helps him. Uh, that is uh, going to be one of the many things that I think probably makes it uh, unlikely that he'll win the gubernatorial election. I'll tell you what I do think is going to help Zeldin. Congestion pricing. I'll tell you, I, I, um, assuming that Zeldin and Hochul are the only two candidates on the ballot, which at this point is the case, I was leaning towards Zeldin 
voting for him. But after Kathy Hochul is put is is okay with this congestion pricing scheme, and I don't want to spend too much time on it because we do have a national audience. Um, I I am much more enthusiastic about voting for Zeldin because of this, and I have to think that voters that are going to be affected by this congestion pricing may feel the same way. But we'll get into that uh, in the future. 800-848-9222. We'll squeeze in at least one or two more here. Annette is in Nassau County. Hello, Annette. Uh, Good evening, Frank. My question is about the people that you interview. I'm curious to know how you come up with the topics. Uh, You have such a a wide range. And uh, how how do you uh, find these people? Well, it, it really varies, Annette. Usually I'll, it'll be someone in the course of me reading the paper or uh, just thinking about what would make an interesting story to cover uh, that I'll try to find uh, a newsmaker or an analyst. Sometimes people reach out to me, the gentleman that we're having on in the third hour today, Dr. Joe Galati. He wrote to me after our discussion on obesity, on child obesity, and he said, hey, let me send you my book. I read his book, I or I read through it at least, and I thought it was fascinating. I thought he has a really interesting perspective, so I invited him on. So there's no one way, really. Um, there's, there's, there's every possible way that you could think of something. That's the way that I approach uh, coming up with topics. All right. Uh, those of you that didn't get your question in this hour, we'll try again next week. And uh, Matt Blaze, do you have a winner for who made the best question today? It was close, but I'll have to go with Tom from Hell's Kitchen about where you would grow up. All right, that was a good question. All right, Tom in Hell's Kitchen, call back to 800-848-9222, and we will give you a prize. Uh, For the rest of you, keep listening. We have an exciting program for the next three hours. I think it's exciting. Hopefully you will, too. Uh, This is The Other Side of Midnight. In the words of the great Bob Barker, help control the pet population, get your dog or cat spayed or neutered. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. my doubts about bringing this story to your attention. And I'll tell you why. I I try to do things on this show that are different, that are new, that are creative, that are, I don't know, presented differently from what you've heard on talk radio before. I really do. And sometimes maybe I fail, sometimes I succeed, whatever. And this story just strikes me as being straight out of the year 2003, when there were court battles on this subject 
or straight out of the late 80s when I first remember it becoming a super controversial issue. And the other reason that I didn't want to initially do this story was because I don't want to give similar jurisdictions any ideas by bringing this story to their attention. But the bottom line is this story is going to get a lot of attention no matter what. So I don't think my talking about it, giving my opinion about it, and inviting you to give your opinion is going to do anything to further whether or not other jurisdictions do the same thing. Dateline, Fargo, North Dakota. Now, I don't think that Fargo, North Dakota is the same Fargo that's in the film Fargo and the TV series Fargo with Frances McDormand. I'm pretty sure with that great Minnesota accent that she does that that was Fargo, Minnesota, but it's been a while since I've seen that film. Great film, though. Uh, William H. Macy, Steve Buscemi, uh, as I already mentioned, Francis McDormand, a great film. I haven't seen the show, but I'm told that's great, too. North Dakota, Fargo, is a school board there. And they have voted 7-2 to two to drop the Pledge of Allegiance before each meeting, deciding it did not align with the district's values. So the Fargo School Board voted 7-2 to two to drop this on Tuesday because members didn't feel it was inclusive, apparently taking issue with the phrase, quote, under God. That's according to uh, the North Dakota newspaper Info Inforum. A board member, Seth Holden, said that because the word God in the text of the Pledge of Allegiance is capitalized, the text is clearly referring to the Judeo-Christian God, and therefore it does not include any other faith such as Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, all of which are practiced by our staff and students. Holden, by the way, I don't know what things are like in Fargo. I don't know if they have the best schools in the world or the worst or something in between. But can you imagine that this is what the school board is focused on right now? In an era where people are worried about diseases and uh, the fact that uh, American school children are falling behind the rest of the world and that uh, we've got a child obesity epidemic and we've got uh, children doing drugs and dying of drug overdoses, can you imagine that if you're on the school board, this is what you're spending time debating and voting on? I mean, this is just absurd. So Seth Holden, who's on the school board, said he also said it excluded those in Fargo schools who don't believe in God. He claimed he's not against the pledge itself, but that it can't be said in a school committed to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Member Robin Nelson was one of the two people that voted to keep the pledge. She didn't see anything wrong with reciting it. Uh, And neither did former board member David Paulson who proposed the pledge be said in the meetings back when he served on the body. And he said that his former colleagues were misinterpreting the recitation. This is what David Paulson said. And I think he's largely correct. The pledge isn't a, a sh- actually, I don't think he's correct, but I'll read you what he said. The pledge isn't a show of our patriotism. It's an affirmation of our commitment and our loyalty to the greater cause 
And that greater cause is freedom. Now, in March, the board passed a notion to kick off each meeting with the pledge. So they've had the the Pledge of Allegiance since March. It's now August. So the Pledge of Allegiance made it five months in the Fargo, South uh, North Dakota school board meetings. I'm not going to spend too much time on it because I think this is silly. If you want to comment, you can. 800-848-9222. Look, let's say I agree with the premise of Mr. Holden's objection to the text of the pledge, which is the capitalized God and how that's exclusionary to other faiths. Let's say I agree. Wouldn't the obvious answer to that be to simply recite the Pledge of Allegiance without the words under God in it? Why didn't he propose that if the under God aspect of it was his real agenda? Leads me to think he's not anti the theological aspect of the Pledge of Allegiance. Leads me to think he's against the Pledge of Allegiance. Because to me, why wouldn't you propose that? Hey, I'm proposing friendly, uh, I'm proposing that we remove the words under God from our biweekly Pledge of Allegiance before the meeting, right? Isn't that the obvious answer? But all indications are he didn't propose that. Proposed that they stop doing the Pledge of Allegiance. The <laughs> Even in New York City, they begin every meeting of the city council with the Pledge of Allegiance. Now, some people don't say it. Charles Barron, when he was in the city council, he didn't say it in protest. Uh, some people respectfully stand for it. Uh, the public advocate, for instance, Jamani Williams, she uh, he res- he stands for it, but he doesn't recite it. He stands there with his arms out, kind of. It's weird. But um, he doesn't say the Pledge of Allegiance. Why not just say to the board members, we're doing the Pledge of Allegiance, and I guess the, the majority of them feel this way, but if you're the board members, if you don't like the pledge, if you don't like what's in the pledge, just don't say it. Just sit there or stand respectfully at attention. If you take issue with the pledge, don't say it. Now, I get what he's saying that whether he says it or not, the fact that the school board is saying it is an embrace of what he thinks are exclusionary theological views. I don't think that's accurate, but I go to my, I'll advert to my prior point, which is if that were accurate, why wouldn't you just omit the words under God? So Fargo, North Dakota, what do you think it's all about? 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Now that this pledge issue is in the news again, do you see other school boards around the country moving in a similar direction? Because I'll tell you, if more and more school boards do move in this direction, one of the things that I think you're going to see is you're seeing a lot of conservative groups, and I believe Ron DeSantis is involved with one of these groups as well, start investing in school board elections. Now, so far, these school board elections have been um, focused on things like critical race theory and things of that nature, but... If this Pledge of Allegiance issue gets traction and starts getting exported to other school districts around the country, I could see a lot of school board races around the country being focused on the Pledge of Allegiance, which is, again, such a real shame 
there are so many areas of crisis with respect to American youth and American education specifically to think that the school board is going to spend all this time debating how to say the Pledge of Allegiance. To me, it's a tremendous aspect of misplaced priorities. But tell me what you think. 1-800-848-9222. Do you think this is going to go elsewhere? Do you agree with what the school board did? And why wouldn't the school board just adopt my compromise, which is remove the words under God? Right? 800-848-9222. Arnold is in Brooklyn. Hello, Arnold. Hi. I, I was thinking your, of your idea while you were saying it on the radio when I was talking to your screener, so I didn't know what you said. Yes, the pre-1954 version of the Pledge of Allegiance did not include the words under God. President Eisenhower recommended to, to start saying it. So what I would suggest is that they keep the pledge, but give like a two-second timeout. Whoever wants to say under God under their breath is welcome to. Everybody else can just uh, resume it you know, with the beat when they uh, give sufficient time to say under God. And people should say it quietly, those who wish to, and those who don't wish to don't have to say it. And then resume the pledge the rest of the uh, path. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, that's the obvious answer, and that makes perfect sense. But, Arnold, why do you think they didn't do that? Because they don't care. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in the United States. (laughs) Right. Well, so uh, that's what I wonder. I wonder if this is less about God and less about religion and more about not wanting to say the pledge because it's a pledge of allegiance to the United States. I mean, I I hate to think that school board members are – I don't even like to use the term, but I hate to think they're anti-American. But, I mean, to me, the obvious compromise is just go back to the pre-1954 version, right? Um, See, and a lot of folks don't understand the genesis of that under God edition. See, what was going on at the time, what was happening in the 50s, is we were in the midst of the Cold War, which produced fodder for a lot of great films like uh, Failsafe and Dr. Strangelove. And there was a tremendous, um, there was a lot of hope to differentiate the United States from these godless atheist states, uh, the state atheism that was promoted by communist countries. And the opposition to this state atheism promoted by the USSR and other countries led to this view of uh, supporting the words under God being added. And really, it was in 1951 when the Knights of Columbus, they began adding the words under God in the Pledge of Allegiance, and they adopted a resolution to amend the text of their Pledge of Allegiance at the opening of their meetings That's when it spread around the country. So this school board could have done the same thing. They could have amended the text of their Pledge of Allegiance, just as the Knights of Columbus did in 1951. What do you think? 800-848-9222. Lamar is in Manhattan. Hello, Lamar. How are you, Mr. Morano? How's everything? Everything's great, Lamar. Thank you. Once again, uh, Mr. Morano, you have encapsulated in brilliant and concise language uh, what we see going on uh, before us, these people in Fargo who have hijacked the school board and people similar to that uh, viewpoint across the country who are also in charge of school boards, 
Uh, putting it briefly, Mr. Morano, they hate the flag. They hate our country. They hate the God of our fathers. They hate the founding fathers themselves. And in the final analysis, they hate us. In Spanish, Mr. Morano, there's a saying, and it goes like this. Un enemigo, hay que verlo como un enemigo. The translation is, an enemy must be seen for what he is. These people are responsible for the unraveling of our country, as you elaborated brilliantly. We're in a country today where over 100,000 Americans have died because of the poison coming across our unprotected southern frontier. Most of those Americans were young people, our nation's most precious commodity. And this is what these people in Fargo are concerned about. Uh, you know, Mr. Martin, we're reaching a point, everything in this whole world has a tipping point. We're reaching that in this country now. Uh, I do not believe we can continue to allow to reside peacefully within our frontiers people who have such hatred for our traditional values and for the American Oh, values. All right, Lamar, thank you. A classic New York accent right there. Lamar in Manhattan. Mark is in Kentucky. Hello, Mark. Hey, buddy. This is serious. Mark, Mark, weren't weren't you on last hour uh, and mentioning Uh, your heart attack and your stroke? You were. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to give some other people a chance. Thank you. Uh, Peter is in the Bronx. Hello, Peter. Hey, Frank. How are you? Lamar hit the nail on the head. I love that. Um, I also wanted to say, you know, that if, you know, the nation that abandons God shall be abandoned by God. And if God doesn't judge this nation and abandon it, then he owes Sodom and Gomorrah a huge apology. Thank you, Frank. Well, okay, I I don't agree with that. I mean, so the Pledge of Allegiance was around from 1892 to 1954, 60 years more or less, without the words under God. And people were still able to say it. It was a nice thing. It's a nice thing to rally around the flag and still some sense of patriotism. I think it's nice. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Peter is in Manhattan. Hello, Peter. Hey, how you doing? Great. Listen, the only thing I want to say is all through the Revelation War, George Washington prayed. And they prayed and they beat an, an adversary that was three times stronger than I. So we had a lot of prayer. The only mistake we ever made was taking prayer out of the Constitution. One nation under God. Individual with liberty and justice for all. Well, you took prayer that, out that's of the school, dec- and what have we got in school now? Yeah, we uh, got children that can't read. All right, well, again, we Peter, I, I think that is outside of the scope of this discussion, right? 800-848-9222. You're talking about making the case for prayer in schools. Uh, and you're talking about children who can't read. I don't think that the reason children can't read is because we did away with prayer in school. I don't. I mean, honestly. And uh, two, I think you can have the Pledge of Allegiance at these school board meetings without having a non-denominational prayer in schools. And I think if you know, if uh, the school board member took issue with the words under God. He should have proposed, Mr. Holden, he should have proposed just taking out those words. You know, it's funny. um, You know who wrote the Pledge of Allegiance? Francis Bellamy. You know who Francis Bellamy was? He was a Baptist minister and a socialist. A lot of these people that love the Pledge of Allegiance 
and hate socialism have no idea that the Pledge of Allegiance was actually written in 1892 by a socialist. So, uh, so you know, it's a lot, a lot of different layers to this. I think, but what I think, for, I think what Fargo is doing is just. It's foolish, incredibly foolish, as far as I go. 800-848-9222. By the way, uh, Avery, so when I asked you if Mark in Kentucky was already on the air, and then you told me he was not already on the air, and yet I was able to tell within a half a second that he was already on the air, what what happened? What was different about your communication process than mine? Well, when I asked him, he he denied being on the air. Right, but he did, he did have a very distinct. I'm not saying he's drunk, but he did have that kind of drunk-sounding way of speaking yes, that didn't did. sound familiar to you. Well, when he called in, I, we were doing the Ask Frank Anything segment. I see. I okay, all right. You had your hands full. You had your hands full. Okay, fair I'm enough. Sorry that one got past me. That's all right. It it happens. We've we, we've 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 become accustomed to low expectations because of no prayer in school. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. We'll take your calls straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. When some loud bragger tries to put me down and says this school is great, I tell him right away, now what's the matter, buddy? Ain't you heard of my school? It's number one in the state. The Beach Boys, nothing sounds like summer more than the Beach Boys, am I right? All right, a couple of stories we're monitoring, including... The Other Side of Midnight proudly presents breaking news. Uh, We are just learning within the last couple of hours that uh, the family of actress Anne Heche has indicated that uh, she is not expected to survive. So... She remains hospitalized after crashing her vehicle into a Los Angeles residence last week, and her family put out a statement saying exactly that. Uh, Unfortunately, due to her accident, um, she is not expected to survive. Uh, It's it's long been her choice to donate her organs, and she's being kept on life support to determine if any are viable. Uh, So couple things here one this is very sad I, I i don't i was never the biggest Anne hayes fan she did a few things that i like including that uh, film with uh, harrison ford six days seven nights i thought she was great in that uh, i she first came to my attention from dating ellen she was ellen's girlfriend for a little while uh but uh, it doesn't matter the the two things that i think we should take from this one very good thing that she did is being an organ donor. Oh, she was in Psycho, too, the remake of Psycho. I thought she was good in that as well. Nothing like the original, but she was. I thought she was good. Um, the fact that she is an organ donor, I think, should is a huge point in her favor. I think we should all be organ donors. In fact, we're trying to get some living organ donors to give their kidneys to some of our listeners that would like kidneys. 
The other thing is it's pretty clear, it's becoming clear anyway, that she was under the influence of alcohol and maybe even drugs while she was driving. I cannot understand why anyone drinks and drives. In in this day and age, first of all, I, I'm assuming she has money, but I mean she at least she wasn't poor, we know that. In the day and age of Uber and e-hail vehicles, why would you ever drink and drive? I, I just I don't understand it. I mean, if anything, if you know you're gonna have a few drinks, isn't that an immediate internal checking of the box to, okay, I'm not driving. I'm going to take a cab. Now I can really get tanked. I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. And yet still people do it. I don't, I do not understand it. Um, so that's sad. Uh, my, um, I'm sorry for all of her fans and especially her family and her friends, but a couple of other stories I wanted to bring to your attention uh, while we have a minute here. And coming up at the top of the hour, we're going to have denunciations. And then a little bit later next hour, we're going to go through the... We're going to talk about obesity with Dr. Joe Galati. A California woman claims she was kicked off a Spirit Airlines flight after staff mistook her severe eczema for monkeypox. Jacqueline Nguyen... And so far, we only have her word for this, so take it for what it's worth. But I hope this is not the case, but this is what she's saying. She shared a TikTok video of herself in tears after this alleged incident, which is said to have taken place at an airport last Friday. She said, quote, I've never been so humiliated in my life. Um... This video was viewed by 1.6 million people. So that's why I always take it with a grain of salt. In this day and age, with so much pressure to get followers on TikTok and get views on TikTok and social media in general, you always have to wonder, okay, is someone making up or exaggerating a story because they want more views? But this is what she said. They had me get off the plane in front of everyone along with my wife, to interrogate me about the eczema I've had my whole life. They asked me to provide medical documents and told my wife to watch her attitude. Uh, The New York Post, which covered this story, they have contacted Spirit Airlines for comment uh, so far. Nothing from them as of the time this article was written. This woman hinted that she may be considering legal action, okay, here we go, against the budget airline, adding a comment to her clip that read, maybe teach your employees what monkeypox looks like before you catch hundreds of medical discrimination cases. So uh, misinformation leads to discrimination slash hostility. Everyone with a visible non-contagious skin condition has uh, a rash. Essentially. So uh, that's what's going on. She said, I have eczema and cystic acne. Uh, Eczema HS, which is hydrodentis supertiva and cystic acne. The trifecta of looking like I have monkey monkey pox. And I'm terrified. Another person said in response to her video. 
Uh, she said, as an adult with cystic acne, I have scared. I've been scared. I have been trying so hard to cover up out of fear. Sorry, this had to happen to you. So while a large majority of people currently contracting monkeypox are gay and bisexual, one woman recently went public on TikTok speaking about her own experience with the disease. She expressed pain to the point where she said she could only drink protein drinks and it was difficult to talk. I can't eat. I can't brush my teeth. I can barely talk. So, uh, look, I I hope um, this is a learning lesson for everybody. I I have psoriasis. Uh, It's not really visible. I get mostly on my scalp, scalp. But I would hate to think that this woman was discriminated against because of her eczema. Maybe she's doing it for social media followers. Maybe she's doing it for a lawsuit. But maybe this will be a lesson to the next airline. I don't know. 800-848-9222. Josh is on Long Island. Hello, Josh. Hey, good morning, Frank. How are you? Good. Excellent. No, I was just actually calling about the Anne Hayes story. I just read like probably an hour ago that the Post is reporting that uh, I guess her toxicology came back with no uh, alcohol, but it did say that she had cocaine. Oh, so I, I did not see that. So you, I, I saw that she had cocaine in her system, but uh, mm-hmm. I had seen previously that uh, that people believed that she was that she was drinking copious amounts of vodka and wine as well. But you're saying that's not the case, that she was not drinking, it was just cocaine. Yeah, they said it was cocaine and uh, there was fentanyl in her system, but they think that that was from the hospital giving it to her for the pain. Interesting. Okay. Well, I mean, uh, all, I, mean I, I wouldn't suggest people drive while doing cocaine either, but, uh, but I appreciate yeah, no, you clarifying that. No, 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 absolutely, that. but yeah. Yeah, no problem. Absolutely. Have a good day. Thanks. Thanks, Josh. Take care. Enjoy the weekend. 800-848-9222. Hey, we, uh, I got a great response to our interview with Scott Weiner this week on pizza. I was really overwhelmed. I actually got more correspondence from that Scott Weiner interview than any other interview that we did this week, believe it or not. And it was interesting. Uh, I saw that there was an article today in Italy where pizza was born, Domino's is bowing out. So Domino's, which I I think is just horrible. I think it's really atrocious. I, um, I was at a radio station one time, not this one. This is 12 years ago. And the, the person in charge was from Minnesota or something. And, he said, all right, well, you guys are working late. You guys are working odd hours. I'm going to order pizza for everybody. And everyone was so excited. And then Domino's comes. And it was like all of the air had been let out of a balloon. It was just so disappointing. It's, it's, it's worse than cafeteria pizza. But it has its fans. It does have its fans. So this Domino's entered the Italian market seven years ago. But it seems to have been done in by a proliferation of home delivery food during the pandemic and a desire for more more artisanal more artisanal more artisanal pies. Gee, you think? Why would you ever get Domino's pizza if you're in Italy? It's, it makes no sense. I don't understand how Domino's survives in New York City because New York City has some of the best pizza shops in the entire world. 
There are many pizza shops in New York City where I think the pizza is better than the pizza in Italy. And I've tried the pizza in Italy. It's delicious. And again, it depends on where you go. You get pizza in Rome, certainly different than getting pizza in Naples. Uh, I've never been to Sicily, but I'm told that if you get pizza in Sicily, it's very different from the pizza that you would get in Naples or in Rome. And I can't understand why anyone would get Domino's in Italy. And clearly they didn't. It's why they're closing. And I don't understand why anyone would get uh, Domino's in New York City. But people do. People do. Uh, they stay in business. Even even in Staten Island, which I consider to be the pizza capital of the East Coast, they have uh, they have a Domino's out there. A couple, actually, that are able to stay in business. And I'm not rooting against them. Hey, they, I want everybody to be in business. More jobs, more businesses doing well, paying rent, paying sales tax. Great. But I just don't get it. I would never get it. Um, and, and then lastly, on the food front, Coca-Cola has a new experimental limited-time flavor. It's called, wait for it, Dream World. And it tastes like dreams. Uh, a company spokesperson said in an email about the product. See, if this is the kind of thing, if they put this out on April Fool's Day, I would have assumed this was an April Fool's joke. But apparently this is real. We wanted to create a dream-inspired drink that was recognizably Coca-Cola, but with additional cues that bring to life the playfulness and brightness of dreams. We took the inspiration from the Technicolor world of dreams adding a dash of vibrant flavors to our great Coca-Cola taste. Dream World is the fourth drink to come out of the out of Coca-Cola Creations, Coke's new innovation platform that focuses on limited time items with a digital component. Creations is a way for Coca-Cola to shine a spotlight on its core product while trying to bring gamers and the younger audiences into the fold. Well, I, I mean maybe this is a foolish question. But how do they know what dreams taste like? And this is a much more indignant question. But why is Coca-Cola releasing all of these new flavors that nobody wants and nobody asked for and nobody even understands what they taste like? And they're at the same time ditching products that they were offering that people loved, namely Tab. Tab was a great soda, and Coca-Cola, two years ago, did away with it. Now, we've had people from the Tab, the Save Tab campaign on this show. I still have a couple of cans of Tab at home that I'm saving. I love Tab. Instead of bringing back these horrible, not bringing back, instead of starting these flavors that no one wants, Bring back the sodas that people actually wanted. Bring back Tab. Less dream-flavored soda, dream world, excuse me, and more Tab. Remember we had space soda, the Coca-Cola yeah, gonna, space I, soda? I think that was one of, was that, that was a Coca-Cola product, Yeah, right? it was yeah, space was, soda. Molly brought that in. And she was very proud of, of that segment. That was the segment she produced, which she took the most ownership of. Um, yeah. And um, do you remember what it tasted like? Yeah, it tasted like. I, I said know. it tasted like Christmas because it tasted like right, gingerbread right, and right. That was, cinnamon. That was what it tasted like. That was a good description. <laughs> and by the way, the pizza tonight that we had was delicious. 
No, we didn't get pizza. Aha. Well, so I have that on my list for for later. Aha. Were, were you were you not hip to this whole pizza discussion? I was not until Christian came in and said, "What do you guys want?" And I said, "Well, what are you talking about?" Well, I so had no idea. How long ago did that conversation occur? Like an hour ago, maybe more. Right. So four hours ago, I said to uh, uh, Kenneth, yeah. who is unable because of a medical condition. So we'll have this discussion now. I'll cross this off my <laughs> okay. list of subjects for next hour. I said to uh, Kenneth, who has a medical condition, you know, you you can't eat pizza. Matt is um, watching his his uh, diet. He doesn't want to get pizza. I'm trying to reduce my pizza consumption. The video people that eat pizza like Gavones, they're not here today. It doesn't really make sense to to get a whole bunch of pizza. So I said to Kenneth, very generously, I might add, I said, why don't you collaborate with Avery, Matt, and Christian and decide what you guys want to order, and I will be happy to pay for it. That was Those were almost verbatim my exact words. So I, I don't know if you guys were going to go Chinese, Japanese, sandwiches, <laughs> Greek. I know Alex Barnard likes to get the halal. And yet y- you guys came up with nothing. Well, we didn't know. Avery and I did not know at all. You weren't privy to this Not at all until Christian came in and said, do you guys decide what you want to eat? Like that. That's the exact words, right, Avery? Yeah. And we both looked at each other like, what are you talking about? All right, so why don't you guys uh, figure, figure, well, figure something I, out? We want pizza. Oh, you do want pizza? Yeah, like why should we suffer? Well, I think you're off pizza. I'm not totally off pizza. I'm off pizza like you're off pizza. <laughs> and why should we suffer? Because Kenneth can't have pizza. Well, no, I thought you were off pizza too. So that's why. Like I said, I'm off pizza like you're off pizza. Right, okay. All you right. know what that means. All right, so we'll try it. Let's see who's open now, and we'll we'll see if we can't get some pizza here. And uh, a Kenneth-approved food. Salad well. or whatever. Yeah. Um. 800-848-9222. The word from my mom. I hope she doesn't mind me saying this. She said, I hate Domino's. The 99-cent pie with fake cheese is unappetizing. She's exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, Lou is on Long Island. Lou, I hope I'm going to see you tonight in Deer Park. I don't know if I'm the same Lou. Well, no. I, I'm, I mean, the same Lou is what? Uh, from Long Island. I'm not in Deer Park, but uh, if I can make it, I will. Great. Great, Lou. That's all I'm asking okay. is you make an effort. I was just, yes, sir. Uh, I was going to say the only people that order Domino's at 2 a.m. is because you forgot to order real pizza about six hours ago. I think you're exactly right. It's not a surprise to you it's that... It's starvation thing. Yeah, it's not a surprise to Anything you will do. that it didn't make it in Italy, is it? <laughs> exactly. They know better. And if I may add, uh, this Coca-Cola killing products, how about when they killed Fresca? Well, they brought, but it's back now. Fresca's back. It is? Yeah. I had some... Uh, I mean, have you ever had Fresca with vodka over ice? It's delicious. It, you know, it's quite good. You know, I'll tell you what I don't see anymore. It's not a Coca-Cola product, but I was looking all over Cape May for this stuff. Um, Schweppes Bitter Lemon. You ever drink Schweppes Bitter Lemon? Uh, I worked for Pepsi-Cola for years, oh. and Schweppes Bitter Lemon was a, uh, a, a niche market. It didn't sell much. And Schweppes also had uh, birch beer. 
Yeah, well, I like that too. Remember. I do like that. Yeah, yeah but very bitter root beer. It's very difficult to find Schweppes bitter lemon. So recently, my uh, father and stepmother were in Pittsburgh, and they brought back some novelty sodas for you know for the, some of us in our family, and they brought back a drink just called bitter lemon. I don't remember. It was not Schweppes, but it tasted like the Schweppes. And to mix a little of that Schweppes bitter lemon with gin. Nothing oh, like yeah. it. Nothing like it as oh, far as yeah. I'm concerned. On ice and a very hot summer day. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Lou. Hopefully I will see you on Deer, in Deer Park tonight. So, yeah, um, that uh, that soda, that, uh, that space-flavored soda that Matt referenced, it was called Starlight. And there was also, and this one we haven't tried, Bite, which is a pixel-flavored soda. That sounds just terrible. Um, so that's what, what's been had. And they also had, uh, bite had a, there was also, um, so before dream world creations rolled out starlight and bite. And then the third item, which launched earlier this summer had a more traditional strawberry and watermelon flavor. I think that's the bite that they're saying had the strawberry and watermelon flavor. 800-848-9222. Carl is in North Carolina. Hello, Carl. Hey, can you hear me? I do, Carl, yes. I hear you perfectly. Hey, so uh, honestly, this is the first time. Uh, uh, so I am a Swedish-American. I listened to. I started listening to WABC when I was a child in the 1970s. And um, am, I, am I on the radio, or is this a different I'm, – I'm, I don't know. Is this a different forum? Because when I listen to the radio, it's a different. Well, what are you hearing on the radio? Oh, uh, I'm listening to 77 WABC. Right. And what do you hear? You know, do you, uh, I, I never do this. To... I never do this, Carl. But if you have your radio near you, bring it to the phone and, and play for us what you hear. Uh... Okay, you want me to do that? Let's try it. Let's see what it is. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm perplexed by your confusion about whether we're no, on the radio I'm, or not. Just I, I just hope I I'm not canceled that... here, uh, Carl, and you know something I don't. I hope this is not the boss's way of letting me know that uh, that my services are no longer required. Uh, <laughs> no, I um, no, it's just that I hear a different. I hear something different on the radio than I do on the wow, phone. But wow, and wow. regardless, I guess I'll just put my uh, what I wanted to say. Uh, I I grew up in Westchester, um, listened to WABC, and I uh, I'm a Swedish American, and um, I have been listening to the news a lot lately. And I love you guys. I love I I, I listen to WABC uh, a lot. Um. And I am having my relatives come over, and um, but I've been hearing so much negative things about New York City that I am hesitant to have them come over and stay a couple nights in New York City because I get the impression that it's 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 the situation there is deteriorated so much that I am hesitant to have them over there. So I don't know if I want to have them come there and instead just bring them over to New Jersey and then Pennsylvania where my daughter lives. Um, So this is, this is, you know, it's not controversial. It's just an open-ended question. I'm 
But I am concerned about the deterioration of New York City. Yeah, well, it- look, Carl, I live here, obviously. I'm, di- I'm disturbed by it as well. And New York is deteriorating in many different aspects. Um, but quality of life and uh, crime are the two most noticeable. However, um, New York City is going to see a 207% increase in international visitors this year. Um, New York is going to have... 56 million visitors in 2022. To me, the numbers speak for themselves. People are voting with their feet. New York is the greatest city in this country and the greatest. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I love New York. And, I was born and, there. And the greatest I, 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 city I'm in the Swedish. world. I'm going to put you on hold and then you can respond. The greatest city in the world. And you would not see 56 million people coming here this year if New York had deteriorated to the point of not being worth visiting. Is New York as safe as it was four or five years ago? No. Is it is New York safer than it was 20 years ago? Yes. And you know what? 20 years ago, New York was still a city worth visiting. Is New York safer than it was 30 years ago? Exclamation point, yes. Much safer than it was 30 or 35 years ago. There was a time when there were 2,500 murders in this city. 2,500 murders. I mean, that's like Wild West style. We're nowhere, thankfully, nowhere near there. I think what you see, look, I think what you see are a couple of things. Crime is going up the last two or three years, which we have not seen in 20 years. So that causes everybody to be concerned. The other thing is you have some people, uh, Eric Adams, uh, Republicans, that are trying to benefit politically from the uptick in crime. So you have people that are supporting folks like Eric Adams or supporting Republican policies that are trying to make it sound as if you can't even step outside without getting shot, which is not the case. New York is not as safe as it was a couple of years ago. New York as a whole is still safe. Uh, There's a lot more to do, and I'm all for doing it. But the solution is not to cower away in fear. We need men and women of courage visiting New York now. And uh, there's a lot of other cities that I visited that I consider, you know, far less safe than uh, New York. New York has a lot going for it, even with the homeless people, even with the, the rats, even with the crime, even with the filth. New York is still a city worth visiting. And, and Carl, I hope you have your family come make a stop here. No, no. I, I No, the thing is I grew up in Westchester, and I lived in New York City. I lived on uh, 48th and Broadway, and um, I have very – I never I never, I never had any issues, but I hear so much negative stuff about New York City that I, I'm having relatives come over, and I'm <laughs> – I know this is kind of trivial, but I'm just a little bit concerned. All right. Well, look, if they're not comfortable or you're not comfortable, then maybe they should skip it. I can only speak for myself. If my family was visiting or my friends, I would happily host them here in New York. It's still a great city and uh, the best city to host visitors that there is, as far as I'm concerned. 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. Other side of midnight. Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano.
This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Uh, coming up in just about 10 minutes, we are going to do um, the the denunciations portion of our program, which is a very, very popular portion of the program. And then uh, in about uh, 40 minutes, we will chat with uh, Dr. Joe Galati, who is a liver expert. Isn't that something? Of all the things to be an expert in, he is an expert in the liver. And he wrote this very interesting book about uh, obesity and about how essentially in our country we are eating ourselves to death. Now, I'm saying that. This is ironic. I'm saying that literally as I'm attempting to order a pizza pie. So who knows? Perhaps perhaps we're part of the perhaps we're part of the problem here. Uh, all right. Maybe we'll get a gluten-free pizza. Maybe that'll diminish the the pizza situation. So, are you staying away from gluten, Matt? Is that your issue? Will you be happy with a gluten-free pie? Well, it was supposed to be cars, but I'm kind of throwing that out the window for the moment. Oh, you are. Oh. You, you, why are you throwing it out the window? Because it's summer and it's yeah, just hard. I know, I know. Wait till September, <laughs> and then I'll be like, "Oh, it's Thanksgiving's around the corner." <laughs> Oh, it's Christmas. There's cookies everywhere. Yeah, it's true. It is. Never ends. It is true. All right. So, uh, all right. We have um, we don't have as much of a selection as we normally do in terms of pizza pies, but uh, we have indeed ordered a, uh, a pizza pie for for your your consumption. Are you happy about that? Yes, Avery is thrilled right now. Yeah, Avery South doesn't theater. strike me as the thrilled type. He always strikes always kind of a even keel. Right, Avery, you're thrilled. Yes. Yeah. See? <laughs> thrilled. I stand the, corrected. The joy is coming out of him right now. I stand, I stand corrected. All right. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Well, hopefully the pizza arrives before we, uh, before we, before we run out of time. Okay. Uh, what else did I want to comment on? Let me see. Pull up my list here. There is um, – oh, so I explained – I finally got a new American Express card. So now I can pay for things without cash. So that's good. But before we left for a vacation, I wanted to stop in at our bank and get a new ATM card, a new debit card, so that I could get cash. Boy, oh boy, was this a mistake. So I go into my bank, and they said, all right, I wait in line. They said, all right, you got to talk to that person. And I'm all set because I now have a driver's license with my proper address on it. Wait in line. And they said, oh, I'm sorry, you need a utility bill. It's a utility bill. I don't have a utility bill. And I'm really hoping to get this new card ordered so that I could get some cash. And uh, they said, well, what do you have that you could show us? And I show them all sorts of stuff. I had a voter registration card. So I show them my voter registration card, which has my address on it. I show them my driver's license, which has my address on it. I had, I think, one other card, maybe a union card, a SAG-AFTRA card that had my uh, my um, address on it. None of it good enough. And then I'm looking online for an online bill because all of my bills, either my wife pays or they're just automated. I don't remember the last time I saw a bill with my name on it. So. I haven't had an opportunity. They wouldn't accept any of that. So I haven't had an opportunity to change my address at this bank yet. Uh, Then, lo and behold, it turns out a couple of weeks ago, I got a speeding camera ticket. 
They said I was, and I probably was, they said I was driving 42 miles per hour in a, in a 30 mile per hour zone. So they sent me a speed camera violation. And isn't that crazy that 42, hour, 42 miles per hour is speeding? But okay, fine. I was speeding. Sent me the violation. That has my address on it. Now, I have that, and I also have a medical bill that has my address on it. And I have um, a my uh, insurance card for my car insurance. I My plan is to try to go into the bank tomorrow because tomorrow's my day to be free of radio and television and all sorts of elect- – and my phone and electronics. And I'm going to show them my driver's license, my insurance card for my uh, car, my camera ticket, and my medical bill, all of which has my name and address on it, and hope that that's enough for them to give me a new ATM card. If it's not, then um, then I don't know what to say. I may have to find a new bank at that point because it's – really inconvenient but uh i've been okay i've been just carrying around a a more cash than i normally do all right uh denunciations and dr joe galati coming up in uh, just a few minutes we'll take your calls as well at 800-848-9222 that's 800-848-9222 you can also find me on twitter at frank morano that's frank m-o-r-a-n-o and via email at frank.morano at wabcradio.com uh, Veronica, by the way, emailed me that the Fargo story is more than meets the eye. The school board member who objected said he was a socialist and that he had a problem with the fact that the phrase with liberty and justice for all is a lie. See, that's more that's interesting. That makes sense because otherwise he would have adopted my suggestion of the pre-1954 version of the pledge. But as I said, the pledge was written by a socialist. So if that guy really is a socialist, he should embrace the pledge. It's a great socialist achievement. And um, if he is a socialist, how did he get the other six board members to vote with him? So, I don't know. Uh, I stand by everything I said before. All right, we have denunciations and a whole lot more coming your way. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. In the words of the great Barry Farber, keep asking questions. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Well, we have just ordered some pizza. So what better way to segue into a discussion about obesity than that? In all seriousness, though, uh, obesity is a problem in this country. And we are going to be talking about it by a guy with a guy that has made this his life's work, uh, Dr. Joe Galati. He's going to join us in about uh, 25 minutes to chat about uh, his work on the obesity front. Now... A lot of you look forward to this each and every week, and it is the time of the week where we call out 
people, entity, places that are responsible for something negative or responsible for some shenanigans, it is time for... The Other Side of Midnight presents Denunciations. Well, it's no secret that we're dealing with monkeypox now. And here's what's interesting. At 28 million doses of the monkeypox vaccine were in the strategic national stockpile. And federal officials repeatedly chose not to refill the supply. New York Times reported on August 1st that the they let these 28 million doses of the vaccine expire without refilling the supply. So I am denouncing all of the federal officials, it seems like most of them were with the FDA, responsible for this mismanagement of the monkeypox vaccine refilling. If monkeypox does turn out to be a big problem, you know who to thank, am I right? I want to denounce the person who left a horrible, racist, vicious voice message on the um, on the answering machine of State Senator John Liu. Uh, John Liu is Taiwanese-American, and an unknown man left a voicemail at his Queens district office over the weekend. John, you lost my vote, you effing... Uh, racial term that begins with a C, piece of S-word, you lost my whole family's vote. You're losing thousands of votes, you effing a-hole. Go back effing China where you belong, you effing useless piece of S. Um, This racist tirade comes as hate crimes continue to surge in New York City with NYPD statistics showing a 12.6% increase as of mid-July. Asian Americans have been the target of a growing number of high-profile incidents. So if you are the person that uh, left that voice message for John Liu, I don't know if it's Joseph in Parkchester, I don't know if it's Richard in Parsippany or someone else, I do denounce you. I also want to denounce the um, postal carrier... Oh, this article didn't get printed. I want to denounce Jerome Fowler, a postal carrier who stole thousands of dollars worth of Costco rebate checks from the mail. I absolutely adore the men and women of the United States Postal Service. So when somebody like Jerome Fowler fouls the image of the Postal Service, it makes it all the worse. Uh, This is a postal carrier, letter carrier out on Long Island, and he has been secretly stealing mail for more than six months. Hundreds of loyal Costco customers were the unwitting victims of their trusted letter carrier. To me, this makes it all the worse. It's so much worse if you get robbed by your mail carrier than if you get robbed by anybody else. All right, you get robbed by a stranger, okay, it's bad, but you're supposed to get robbed by strangers. Your letter carrier 
It's almost like being robbed by a priest or a doctor or your own lawyer. The relationship that you have with your letter carrier is an incredibly personal, incredibly intimate one. They know what kind of medications you're getting. They know what kind of magazines you're subscribing to. They know what kind of criminals in prison you're corresponding with. They know almost everything about you. And to think that someone would violate that sacred trust that exists between a letter carrier and the recipient and rob them, I find it absolutely outrageous. Jerome Fowler, I do denounce you. I must also denounce the New Yorker. Yes, the publication, The New Yorker. The They did this very interesting article all about how, um, and I don't think, see, one of the things that I have to say about Alex is when he prints these things, they are printed in the order in which that I'm reading them, but that's okay. Um, the New Yorker did an article all about bookstores and how great bookstores are. Now, that's great. I love bookstores. I spend a lot of time in bookstores. They do this article, and they include all sorts of great books in the article. Wouldn't you know it, the link to every single one of these books listed in the article takes you to where? A local bookseller or a used bookseller? No. To Amazon. Every single link in this article took you to Amazon, which has done more to destroy local bookstores than anything else. And then when they get made fun of on uh, Twitter for it, then finally they... They changed it and removed the links. But come on, a little self-awareness, guys. I want to denounce the customers at grocery stores in New Jersey that are stealing shopping baskets instead of buying bags. See, shortly after New Jersey enacted a strict plastic bag ban three months ago, employees at stores like ShopRite noticed something a little unusual. They noticed that the store's handheld plastic shopping baskets were vanishing. And they realized that these brazen shoppers who didn't bring their own bags and didn't want to buy 33-cent reusable bags were simply leaving the store with their groceries stuffed in the shopping baskets. This is crazy. So uh, in Aberdeen... The shop right there is not buying new shopping baskets, and that's making the bins the latest grocery store convenience to disappear in the aftermath of the plastic bag ban. So you guys in New Jersey that are stealing these plastic baskets, you're ruining it for everybody. You're ruining it for all the shoppers because stores are afraid to restock them because they're afraid idiots like you are going to steal them again. I want to denounce... The M-102 bus. The M-102 bus is the slowest bus route in all of New York City. That's right. The New York Public Interest Research Group, Strap Hangers Campaign, and Transit Center, they hold the Pokey Awards and give out a golden snail. And this year, they've selected the city's 
M102 bus line. I've actually taken the M102. It is horrible. You can actually beat the M102 walking and get to your destination if you're going cross town faster. It transports 8,000 daily weekday riders from the East Village to Harlem at an average speed of 4.6 miles per hour each day. M102, I do denounce you. I must also denounce Corey Allen Martin, 26 years old, Utah man. He has been arrested on suspicion of starting a wildfire while trying to burn a spider with his lighter. Corey Martin told the police that he spotted the spider while he was in a hiking area in the foothills south of Salt Lake City near the city of Springville. He acknowledged starting the fire but did not explain why he was trying to burn the spider. Deputies found a jar of marijuana in his belongings, but he did not appear to be high. Um, So it looks like he did not intentionally start this fire, but this is incredibly reckless. Utah is so dry. You know how fast fire spreads over there. Why are you playing with fire, number one? Two, what did that spider ever do to you? I don't even like killing spiders in the house because I love spiders. They keep the bugs away. But part of the prenuptial agreement I made with my wife is she's terrified of spiders. I said that if a spider is in our house, I will kill it. But if it's outside, no. Spiders should be outside. Love spiders. Spider-Man, I think, had a big anniversary this week. It's 60th anniversary, I think. Uh, I don't understand why anybody would want to burn a spider. Now, PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment for Animals, they want this guy, Corey Allen Martin, charged with animal cruelty. I am not willing to go that far. I say, you know, charge him for something. I don't know if animal cruelty is realistic. It strikes me as just trying to bring attention to this. I want to denounce an ex-court mediator in Ohio by the name of Richard Steinle, who has been arrested for sending three dozen feces-laced letters to Republican politicians in the state of Ohio, including Representative Jim Jordan. He mailed these poop-contaminated correspondences to all 25 Republican state senators in early July before he was caught later that month brown-handed. He was charged in federal court with sending injurious articles as non-mailable. How disgusting is that? I mean, it has nothing to do that he was mailing them to Republicans. If he was mailing them to Democrats or communists or whomever, I would be just as outraged and just as likely to say the words, Richard Steinle, I do denounce you. I must also denounce Cynthia Roselle of Hempstead. Boy, I'm denouncing a lot of Long Islanders today. Hopefully these were not people that were planning on showing up to my event in Deer Park tonight. Cynthia Roselle of Hempstead has admitted to stealing more than $240,000 in pension benefits issued to her dead mother. She, between the years, May of, between May 2014 and May of 2020, she stole $240,000. 
Her mother retired from the Malvern Union Free School District in 1996. She chose to receive the maximum payout in pension money instead of naming a beneficiary to receive the benefits after her death. So when her mother died in 2014, the New York State Teachers Retirement System continued to deposit the pension money into her bank account. So Roselle diverted the pension money into her own bank account. The payment stopped after the pension group discovered that Garrett was dead. Pension theft is not a victimless crime, ladies and gentlemen. Cynthia Roselle, I do denounce you. And lastly, thank goodness for WalletHub. I want to denounce the state of Alabama. They have been ranked as the worst state in the entire country to have a baby. As somebody that recently went through this process with my wife, I can tell you that uh, the process of dealing with hospitals and doctors and insurance companies and this and that is not easy. But this report from InWalletHub included a total accumulated score of several categories. Cost, health care, baby friendliness, family friendliness. And if you want to have a baby, stay away from the state of Alabama. According to the report, Alabama ranked 46th in both maternal and infant mortality, 49th in low birth weight, and 50th in preterm births. The state also lags in parental leave policy and average health insurance premiums. Alabama, I do denounce you. All right, we're going to talk obesity with Dr. Joe Galati in just a bit. But let me see if I could squeeze in one or two more calls here. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Rick is in New Jersey. Hello, Rick. Yes, good morning, Frank. Uh, the uh, story about the shopping carts disappearing is absolutely correct. I've run into that twice in my store where you got to buy like four or five items and you have to push that giant basket, the giant wheel thing around just because they're gone. But the reason they're gone, Frank, <clears throat> excuse me, the reason they're gone is, you know, the reusable bags we have to we have to buy now and bring in because they don't even give you paper bags. You have no bags. You have to bring them in. Well, which, by the way, I think is a shame. I was not for these uh, the 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 bag bans when they were first proposed. I, I I understand the motivation behind them, and I think it's good if people want to bring a reusable bag. But I think it was I think it was ill conceived, and uh, I think this is one, that's one of the reasons I included this denunciation because whether it's New Jersey, New York, or other states, I think that this is just I think it's foolish. Right. Well, the reason, Frank. Is uh, and I always forget my bags, so I have to keep buying them, buying them, buying them. I have like twenty of them here. Um, the checkers now are refusing to bag your items if you bring in one of the reusable bags because they say people were bringing them in dirty and disgusting, and we don't want to touch them. I get a rash, and so now they're refusing to to bag my bags that they tell me I have to bring in, and I refuse to do it. I had a big argument just the other day because I said, look, I don't work for your store and i'm not trained in bagging you are they send you to an actual store a school for that i ruin my stuff all the time they're always lobs at it you do it better you're getting paid for it please bag it and she wouldn't bag it 
So I guess these people are just frustrated like me. They put it in that carry thing and they just walk out with it because they will not bag your bags if you bring them in. It, 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 that makes no sense. I'm buying them so I can reuse them and they won't let me reuse them unless I bag my own stuff. Well, that is really crummy. Uh, I, uh, so what do you think the solution is here? Uh, talk to the manager. That's right. what I had to do. Yeah. Go to the manager and say, listen, I already have to get my, you know, in the old days you said to the, the Kirk, uh, give me a box of that and give me a sack of that. And he went and got it for you. Here, you go in the store and you do the work, you get it, you bring it to the, to the counter, you put it on the counter. And all she's going to do is now push it past the scanner. That's basically all she's doing because I use my credit card. She doesn't even take my cash, and and she won't even she won't bag it now. No, I I I, I had a big argument. I said I'm not. What did the up. manager say? He said I'll take care of it. And he went over and he said you got to bag it and all that. But the fact that I have to go through with this with each and every checker, it's it's outrageous. Uh, that is, uh, how often has this happened? Twice in in, in the last three weeks. Because mm. I go I go once a week, you know. Mm. So why do you go yeah. shopping so often? I mean, that seems like a lot. One, once a week because I I, I, I do this animal uh, rescue thing. Oh, okay. Well, that's a good reason. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I have a hundred cans of cat food. It's hard for me to carry anymore. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's for sure. All right. Very good, Rick. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Have a good weekend. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. That's eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Larry is in Brooklyn. Hello, Larry. Hey, Frank. Nice to be back. Um, yeah, you know, I just want to comment on a couple of things about crime. First of all, uh, a casino in Coney Island is a no-brainer. And the reason why is because something of a 24-hour nature will be the final uh, thing that will uh, eliminate crime in Coney Island. Coney Island still has a, a few dangerous stretches that with all the building and everything and has not been eliminated. It's still a very dangerous area. But the casino and the lights and the attention and the 24-hour traffic, that may actually do it. Uh, so it's a no-brainer. Uh, but the thing is, the reason it's not regarded as a no-brainer in New York is because New York, because the, the powers that be think like you do about New York being the status quo is okay. We're going to get tourism. We don't have to eliminate crime. Um, it's more than that. And I hate to say this because you're going to think it's racist, but I'm getting the feeling, and I have to say it, I get the distinct feeling that they're happy with the status quo about not reducing, getting rid of crime, because you see, people of color are used to crime and people, and people, white people are not used to it. So they, they just like the fact that we're on, they have the edge that they, you know, we're, more uncomfortable now and the balance of power is shifted because we're uncomfortable and they're more comfortable. Not that they want people to be victims, but they like the fact that they're more comfortable with the status quo of the city than, than we are. Larry, is there any research that you're basing this on? Any, any data, any, any statistical analysis? Just a feeling. Okay. All right. Well, I, I, I can't argue with that, Larry. Okay. Um, in general, I, I think it helps if you're going to make something, if you're going to make a point that sounds overtly racist, it helps if you have some data to uh, back up whatever point you're trying to make, just for the future. All right. All right. A uh, couple quick things. One, our pizza is here. Can someone go down and get the pizza? 
And when they get the pizza, can they be sure to offer Omar a slice? Because uh, Alex Barnard did not offer Omar a slice three weeks ago, and I'm still hearing about that. And I think I've finally smoothed things over, but if we have another Omar incident, who knows where that goes. Uh, Two, speaking of pizza, we're going to talk obesity with Dr. Joe Galati, an author, a doctor, and a liver expert. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. This is a great song. I don't remember what um, what prompted me to want to play this uh, the other day when it first occurred to me. Maybe I heard it or something. I don't remember. But uh, this is a. It's really. It's a. It's kind of a. Firefall is an interesting band. It's sort of a country rock band, uh, and uh, they they've got some good songs. This is certainly one of them. All right. Um, if you ever want to know what kind of music we're playing on this show, go to uh, join our Facebook group, Morano Radio Fans and Haters. That's M-O-R-A-N-O Radio Fans and Haters. And uh, if you are someone who is concerned about the future of America, then you have to be concerned about what we are seeing in terms of the rather alarming obesity epidemic in America as a whole, but particularly concerning is the obesity levels that we are seeing among America's young people. That is one of the many subjects we are going to discuss with Dr. Joe Galati, liver specialist, wellness expert, speaker, and author of the book, Eating Yourself Sick, How to Stop Obesity, Fatty Liver, and Diabetes from Killing You and Your Family. Dr. Galati, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Well, Frank, a great introduction. So glad to join you early this morning. So, uh, Dr. Galati, how bad is the obesity problem in general in this country? Well, I would say it certainly is out of hand. There's all kinds of different ways of looking at that. If you just want to look at the, the raw numbers about how many people are obese, Somewhere around 75 to 78 percent of adults are overweight or obese. If you look at the kids, as you mentioned, you want to look at the kids. There's something like 40 million children 
that are overweight since 1980, which is when they did a, a particular survey of this, to now, okay, 1980 through current time, the obesity rate has tripled in children 2 to 19 years old. If you look at teenagers, it has quadrupled in the last 25, 30 years. Wow. And, and yeah, and so – it you know with all of the information the knowledge the internet websites and all kinds of stuff that we have these curves that you look at are going in the wrong direction people are getting more obese they're more overweight and it's leading to more disease another now you may say look this i'm i'm a liver specialist how do I, how did i get involved in the obesity discussion well there's a disease, a condition which you've all probably heard of called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And so there are between 80 to 100 million people in the United States with fatty liver. That's like a third. And so you have a fatty liver, and this is the leading cause of chronic liver disease, cirrhosis, liver cancer, which most people don't hear about, and it is the leading disease that uh, ends up getting transplanted, getting a liver transplant. And so it's, it's mind-boggling, Frank. Every day I am seeing this, this trail of obese patients, and we love our patients. We're here to take care of them and try to make a change. But they're getting younger and younger. I saw a 13-year-old earlier this week with cirrhosis, strictly due to being obese and what the heck this kid was being fed. Mm. So it's not it's not pretty out there. Uh, no, uh, that is really frightening. I want to follow up on a bunch of the things that you said. But in terms of the quadrupling of teenage obesity and the tripling right. of other youth obesity in a relatively short amount of time, what is your take on what the causes are? I've seen a lot of things blamed over the years from the decline of physical education to uh, a partially hydrogenated vegetable oil to high fructose corn syrup to larger serving sizes uh, being the standard in different restaurants to video games to any number of other things. From what you're seeing and the research that you've done, what are the causes of this dramatic uptick in obesity in, in American youth? Yeah, it really is all of them. I, I, would, I would think if I had to put the most weight on one thing, the it is probably the food. Mm -hmm. it's, I, I think it's the food we're eating. And, it, um, you know, if you look at the, the revenue – from fast foods, just, just as one of many barometers out there. In 1970, we spent about $6 billion on fast foods. Today, it's $570 billion. So that, that, I don't care how many hamburgers are being sold. We're spending money on this. So we are eating fast food not for that once in a while treat that your parents would, you know, put you in the car and you'd, you know, you'd drive to McDonald's, which is sort of my experience of the 60s and 70s, you're eating this breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And you're really, really screwing up your 
metabolism. You're screwing up the bacteria that are in your gut. And you're just taking in too many calories, uh, not moving and sitting around watching TV and DoorDash. And, you know, you, you, you know, you don't have to lift a finger to get food these days. Um, that also is 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 contributing to this. It's, it's unbelievable. So with Dr. Joe Galati, you can check out his book, Eating Yourself Sick, and uh, his website in general, which has a lot of great information. It's drjoegalati.com, G-A-L-A-T-I. Uh, Joe, do we know if this is uniquely an American problem, or are children all around the world getting increasingly more obese and overweight? Or is this one of the areas where American exceptionalism is a negative thing? It's, it's global. And you look at developing countries that, you know, 30, 40 years ago, they were sort of living in their own shadow. They were sort of not quite really connected with rest of the world. They were eating their local cuisine. It was rice and vegetables and uh, fish, not too processed. They were not having a, um, you know, filet of fish. They were just eating the fish that their family caught. And uh, with this sort of global market, global economy, the far-flung corners of the world are now getting processed food. Mm. And, 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 and that alone, you see, um, you know, they, they looked at Vietnam. Uh, back probably, you know, about they started looking at this about 20 years ago and they started to see that there was no heart disease. There was no cancer. These were thin people eating a plant based diet for mm. the most part. They're now getting diabetes, wow. heart disease, hypertension and, and kidney failure. And, and they're obese. And, and we see them here. We see, believe it or not, Houston actually has a very large Asian community. And a lot of the Asians that are probably second, third generation from those that came in the uh, 1960s, they are indistinguishable from a local American kid as far as obesity goes. So I think it's uh, the globalization and every corner of the world is being affected and nowhere really is safe. Oof, wow. Uh, well, so a lot of folks may hear these statistics and maybe even see their child or their grandchild maybe a little on the uh, husky side, and they think, okay, well, you know, he'll grow out of that or she'll grow out of that uh, by the time they're a teenager and they get in the habit of working out a little bit more. It's not really a cause for concern for my 5-year-old, my 6-year-old, my 7-year-old. How concerned should parents be if their younger children in that age range, 2 to 9, let's say, are obese or overweight? I, I think very concerned. And again, this is not the husky five-year-old of 1970. This kid is going to continue to be exposed to fast food, processed food. And let's, let's face it. Now, when I, when I wrote the book, I, not that I took a lot of flack on, on the title and whatnot, but I propose in general amongst all the other you know, points of view that I've got and when I see patients is we have to absolutely get back to the basics of eating at home, learning how to cook a meal that is an appropriate size, 
that is not processed, that you actually chop up vegetables and, and cook them. Um, and, and, I, and, and families or patients will tell me, oh, you're too unrealistic. People don't want to do this anymore. And I, and I do think that we have lost the ability of, number one, eating as a family, number two, having a mother or father or grandmother or somebody in the house organizing the meals to say, let's eat together. And this problem is only going to spin out of control more. So the, the safety breaks that maybe this five, six, seven-year-old may have had is gone. And this problem is just going to, to continue. And we already know that the children of today are not going to live as long as their parents. Now, who can sort of, you know, hug that kid and say, hey, mommy or daddy is doing everything they can to make sure you don't live as long as me? I mean, that is, uh, uh, again, a very dramatic way to look at this. But it's, uh, you know, everybody says, oh, they love their kids. They love their grandkids. What we are doing, we are killing them. And so change has to occur. And you may have read. The recruits, the Army cannot fill the quotas because all of these 17, 18-year-old recruits are overweight, and, um, you know, we're going to run out of soldiers. Mm, no, that's – uh, Which is not a pretty pretty scene. N- no, no, especially not these days. Talking with Dr. Joe Galati, a liver specialist, speaker, and author, uh, author of uh, a terrific book, which uh, you can get on online or on his website – called Eating Yourself Sick. In fact, if you have questions, we'll try and squeeze in a few of them. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. You spent some time in your book, Joe, talking about and educating people about what's really in the food that they're eating. Give us a few examples. What what are people eating in their food on a regular basis that they may not be aware of or might not be aware of how harmful it actually is? Well, you know, there's it, it's a huge topic, and the issue is with everybody's talking about trans fats and high fructose corn syrup. But one little trick is that on on the box of food or the can, if if they state a portion size is only let's say two ounces, and I'm just making this up. Um, the amount of trans fat does not have to be reported, and you will not find it on the box or ah, the bag. Or the I didn't can. know that. Wow. So they say, well, okay, Frank, if you want to eat XYZ, a serving is two ounces, which is like the amount you could fit on the tip of your pinky. But because we love a certain food, we're going to have five, the equivalent of what would be five servings. Well, guess what? There are trans fat. There are high fructose corn syrup, sugars, all kinds of other garbage, which by definition, it's a loophole. They don't have to list. And so you think you're doing something, but at the end, you're really harming yourself. The other thing is that the uh, most I would say you have to be a better consumer reading not only the labels, but the serving size. And, and you would be shocked that a lot of things that 
uh, a lot of these uh, like frozen vegetables or the, the one that I always, you know, when I go out to talk, I've got a slide of there is a, 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 a it's like a mashed potato that they they say, oh, a serving is, you know, only 100 calories. And in that bag, you have like four and a half servings. And I'm like, well, I don't know about you. If I was making that home, I'd split it with my wife and we'd eat 50-50. We'd eat half of it. Well, you just got two and a half right. servings of something and, you know, more calories, salt and fat than you, you really bargained for. So that all comes down, the being a better consumer, being more aware of uh, serving size, salt, fat, that all comes down to a lot of what you talk about in terms of raising your overall health IQ, right? Uh, yeah, it, it is. And, and I, I, I say that all the time. we got to raise your health IQ. And, um, and that, it goes further than the food. Uh, the, you know, the one thing that I really pick on in the book is people go to the doctor and you weigh in or you get some blood, and the doctor's sitting there going over your, your results with you. And they say, Frank, everything looks good, but you have, you know, just a touch of cholesterol. And you're like, a touch of cholesterol? What, what the hell does that mean? Do I need a medicine? No, Frank, you don't need a medicine. You just have a touch. You go home, your wife, you know, doctor mom wants to know what's wrong. And you say, I just got a touch of, you know, cholesterol or a touch of diabetes. And I'm not getting a medicine for it. So you don't view that as a problem. Mm. I view it as a big red flag to say your touch of cholesterol or a touch of quote-unquote diabetes, you have diabetes. You need to be treated. You need to be put on a diet. You need to be sat down and told something bad is going to happen. And so where, where I'm at in the nature of my practice People come literally with five and ten years worth of medical records. Wow. And, and, and now they have cirrhosis. Okay, so somebody, some 50-year-old guy has cirrhosis from fatty liver. And the first question, Frank, how long have you known you've had a fatty liver? Well, let's see. It's 2022. Yeah, about 2008. And I'm like, 2008, why didn't the doctor do anything? Well, he said it's not that bad. Just a touch. And cumulatively, especially in liver disease, it's, it's – I say the liver, liver suffers in silence. You don't have any outward symptoms, so you don't feel bad. But you look at the labs. You look at the collection of you've got high cholesterol. You've got hypertension. You're overweight. You've got a touch of all these little things, but it adds up to a big problem. And, and you know, you come and see me or somebody like me. And you've got advanced liver disease. Your life forever is changed. And the same thing with the kids. And so being a better consumer, raising your health IQ, you have to know that, hey, wait a second. Don't accept the blow off from your doctor. If you've got a touch of cholesterol, you've got to sit them down and say, what is the implication? What do I need to do? Uh, Instead of just saying... Yeah, you know, it's okay. I'll see you next year. Uh, Joe, in terms of fatty liver, which is a term you've now used a bunch of times, and I've known people that have uh, gone for a physical and uh, they've told me when I say how to go that they've had fatty liver. Friends of mine, coworkers of mine, family members of right. mine. 
What exactly does fatty liver mean? And if you're not going to go on medication for a fatty liver, if a doctor tells you you have fatty liver, what are you supposed to do? Well, okay. So there's two things. Fatty liver is, you have to define it. So we call it non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. That's the one that I'm predominantly Mm -hmm. talking about because Forever, forever, we knew that people that consumed large amounts of alcohol. Now, you may not be a card-carrying alcoholic, but somebody that has a couple drinks uh, every night at lunch or after work and maybe a little bit more on the weekends, you will get a fatty liver. And so back around 1980 or so, we realized that there were people that had a fatty liver indistinguishable from the traditional alcoholic fatty liver uh, that didn't drink. And Mm. so we came up with the term non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. These are the folks of today that have truncal obesity, that belly fat, they've got high blood pressure, they've got a touch or actually diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, the non-insulin type. They have high cholesterol and high triglycerides uh, and high blood pressure. This is your typical overweight American. That, le- that whole thing is called metabolic syndrome. That is what is the driver for fatty liver. Now, fatty liver, as I said, leading cause of cirrhosis, liver cancer, liver failure, and the need for a liver transplant. Now, the first thing, well, it, and it can be reduced. It can be reversed with weight loss. And the current data indicates that only a 10% body weight loss will improve the situation. Only 10%. That's not a heck of a lot of weight. No, no. So uh, if I'm uh, 220 pounds, if I lose 22 pounds, pounds. which is not uh, unrealistic, that's enough to deal with that fatty liver potentially. Exactly. Now, the main, the killer here, there is out of all these, like I said at the beginning, 80 to 100 million people have fatty liver. The most important thing to do, you as the consumer, right? Raise your health IQ. You have to know, am I producing scar tissue in the liver? We call it fibrosis. And so if you see your doctor, you see your PA, your nurse practitioner, and they say, Bob, you got a fatty liver. The first question you ask is, do I have any fibrosis in the liver? Hmm. Now, there's a couple of ways of doing it. There are some blood tests that you could get through Quest and LabCorp, maybe through a hospital, that actually can calculate the amount of fibrosis based on some inflammation markers in the blood. The more definitive thing, short of a liver biopsy, is something called a fibroscan. It's a sound wave test that measures the stiffness of the liver with sound, and that will give you within a range of about 80, 85% accuracy, whether or not this guy sitting in front of you, your aunt, your uncle, your buddy, has the risk of going on to cirrhosis. And if you are in the, uh, well, either way, if you're showing any signs of fibrosis, and it goes from one through four level, Level one fibrosis is mild. Four is cirrhosis. You actually have cirrhosis right now. If you're at F2 or greater, F2 or F3, 
the likelihood of you getting cirrhosis is quite strong within the next three to five to seven years. So if you're 50 and you have F2 fibrosis, by the time you're 60, getting ready to retire, you, you're going to have cirrhosis. Yeah. Uh, but you have, you have to know that fibrosis score. Having fatty liver is, is like saying, you know, there's smoke coming out of your front door. You know, <laughs> like how bad is it? I want to try and squeeze in at least one or two calls here. We're just sure. we're almost out of time, but a lot of folks queuing up to uh, to talk with you. Adrian is on the Upper West Side. Hello, Adrian. Hi. I uh, I had a question about if you think if the doctor thinks that maybe some medical professionals are deterred from calling a a, a child overweight for fear of you know being accused yes. of body shaming. Oh, that there there was a study done probably within the last five years that actual patients, and this was mostly adults, that were obese, you could not find it in the medical record. And when the doctors were asked, they felt that it would it would create a little bit of friction between the doctor and the patient if I classified you as obese and as you said that body image that I'm making fun of you or I'm picking on you. Everybody is fat these days. Why are you picking on me? So we have to get beyond this and call, call it what it is. These kids are overweight. They're, over, they're obese. And we are going to have an entire generation of chronically ill medicine-popping kids that are never going to make it. They're never going to make it. And I hate to sound so, you know, so uh, dark uh, about this, but it's the truth. The mm. numbers speak for themselves. It's nothing. I have nothing to gain by this. I mean, I want to create awareness and get people in to eat better, be a better consumer, talk with your doctor to say, how the heck are we going to solve this? But I think the most basic thing, step on the scale Bob, you are really overweight, and it's a problem, and I'm concerned for you. That's not happening. All right. Uh, we're going to have to end it there. There's a ton of uh, other subjects that I want to go over with you. You're going to have to come back, and we'll, uh, oh, we'll go over this in the future. Dr. Joe Galati, you can check out his website. It's uh, drjoegalati.com, G-A-L-A-T-I. It's G-A-L-A-T-I, or his book, Eating Yourself Sick. Thanks a lot, Joe. Frank, your your delight. Thank you. Thank you. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you could do so. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Coming up in a bit, we're uh, going to do some other interesting things as well. And uh, we'll uh, try and squeeze in as many of your calls as we can here. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight. Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. When I saw you standing there About fell out my chair And when you moved your mouth to speak Felt the blood go to my feet. Now it took time for me to know 
This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Hey, I'm really hoping to see a lot of our New York area listeners and especially our Long Island listeners. Tonight from 6 to 9 p.m., we're having a a great event. It's hosted by the uh, president of the WABC Long Island Division, Frank McKay. It's a a networking event, so you bet to be able to meet with a lot of interesting people. I'm going to speak for a few minutes. And it's from 6 to 9 p.m. Uh, speaking of, of obesity and food, uh, it has there's a free buffet, but there's a lot of healthy food there as well. There's some music. And I have been informed that the first 150 people or so that show up are going to be given a free bottle, complimentary bottle of mini Prosecco. So I'm going to be there. Looking forward to being there. And uh, I, I think there'll be some other surprise guests as well who uh, I don't want to promote anybody that might be attending, but some people you might have heard of. I'll just say it that. But uh, I'm going to be there. I will take questions. Frank McKay will take questions. You know, Frank, I'm really glad he's on board with the radio station again. He and I are friends um, for about 23 years, but we did not speak for for a decade due to politics. And that is one of the things that I'm going to be touching upon today or tonight in my remarks is that we can't allow politics to you know, divide families or friends. So that's going to be at uh, a place called The Other Room. It's the other side of midnight at The Other Room, 511 Comac Road, 6 to 9 p.m. tonight, Friday night, 511 Comac Road in Deer Park, The Other Side of Midnight at The Other Room. So let's, let's make this a big production. Let's get a good crowd there. Hopefully I'll see you. Hey. Tell me the best example of passive-aggressive behavior you've ever witnessed. Your influence counts, so use it. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Friday, TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. I don't know what you have planned this weekend. 
uh, this afternoon. I am allowing a lot of extra time to travel out to Long Island, which is a, a place where on Fridays it could be a very tricky place to drive out to, especially eastern Long Island. But I'm looking forward to being there uh, in Deer Park, Deer Park, and I'm looking forward to meeting many of you. So we've done this segment before. Um, not the one that we're about to do, but what I'm going to reference. We've done the segment where I ask people to call in and confess words that they hear all the time, that are used all the time, but that they really don't know what they mean, right? And I've had words and other people have called in. There's always a good collection of words. I'll be honest. A word or a term, I guess, is a better way to say it. A term that I have heard my entire life, but I feel like I hear it a lot more now, that I've never really quite understood what it meant. I've had kind of a vague idea of what it meant, but never really really affected me, so I didn't really want to put in the effort to actually find out what it meant. That wasn't until yesterday. The term is passive-aggressive. So I read this article yesterday, Headline, passive-aggressive boss calls out woman's mistake in company-wide email. Why do bosses do this? And it um, it goes on to th- this article by Emerald Elliott. I don't remember where the initial place that I saw it, but it was shared everywhere, this article. <clears throat> goes on to say in this article, ever felt publicly humiliated by a work email that doesn't even specifically call you out by name. Welcome to the club. A classic example of a passive-aggressive boss tactic to ensure an employee doesn't repeat the same mistake is stirring conversation on TikTok. Corporate TikTok is discussing the bane of many workers' existence. The friendly reminder email sent to the company or just your department after a minor mistake. Now, this has happened to me before. Um, I can't think of any recent example, but this has happened to me before where I've done something and then it necessitates a company-wide directive or reminder or instruction. That's not something that I would have immediately thought of as passive-aggressive behavior. But it's funny, I was... Talking with someone recently, and they were talking about a third party. They were talking about a mutual acquaintance of ours. And they said, well, you know, that's so-and-so. So-and-so is going to do that, and they're always going to do it in a very passive-aggressive way. And it just struck me as we're in in an age where that term, passive-aggressive, gets thrown out a great deal. So what I did before the show last night, in between – Breaking down, you know, listening to Merrick Garland's comments in between looking, doing alien research. We've got some good alien segments coming up next week, by the way. Look for that. In between, you know, all sorts of uh, stuff for the show. I did a deep dive into examples and definitions of passive aggressive, passive aggressive behavior. And I came to a few conclusions. One, I think that I may have a passive-aggressive personality type. And I think I might be a passive-aggressive person. 
Number two, because I went through a lot of the examples on the Internet that uh, professionals offer of examples of uh, passive-aggressive behavior. And unfortunately, I'm not proud of this, but I do many of them. Number two, I am not convinced that being passive-aggressive is always a bad thing. Because, you know, what's the alternative? Being aggressive-aggressive? Going into uh, the workplace or or, or a, a political meeting or a bar and just, you know, starting a fist fight with someone? Sometimes it's better to be a little bit of a, a, a little subtle about being, you know, displeased with someone. So I thought it might be interesting to ask you, what is the most egregious example of passive-aggressive behavior that you've ever seen? Maybe it's something that you've done yourself. Maybe it's something that you've seen from a coworker. Maybe it's something you've seen from a boss, a friend, a family member. What is the best example of passive-aggressive behavior you've seen? A question. Since before your sun burned hot in space and before your race was born, I have awaited a question. So I've read this one article, and it said that passive-aggressive people disguise their aggression so they don't have to take responsibility for it. And, for example, routinely showing up late to things is often a form of passive aggressiveness because you're trying to get what you want, which in this case is more time for yourself, without taking responsibility for it and avoiding criticism. Uh, you could say the traffic was was awful. Um, so passive-aggressive people, according to this article on uh, by a gentleman named Nick Wignall, according to this article, passive-aggressive people usually end up lonely, resentful, and insecure. They may blame other people. Deep down, they're really resentful of themselves for not having the courage to be honest and direct with people. I'm also I'm curious if you are if you've experienced passive aggressiveness either in yourself or others. What 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 are your suggestions on how to be better with this? Because I think in some ways passive aggression um might be a result of being very polite. Because you don't want to scream at somebody, you don't want to fly off the handle at somebody. And instead, you prefer a more indirect route. So I read, I was reading about the application of passive-aggressive personality disorder. And in psychology, passive aggression is one of the most misused of psychological terms. After some debate, for instance, the American Psychiatric Association dropped it from the list of personality disorders in the dsm 4 as too narrow to be a full-blown diagnosis and not well enough supported by scientific evidence to meet increasingly rigorous standards of definition. So I got to thinking, maybe this is one of these 21st century things that people just came up with, right? Um, And we can go through the list of things that aren't really real that people have just come up with. So I I did some research into the history of passive-aggressive behavior. It was first defined clinically by Colonel William Menninger during World War II. So this is a relatively new thing. 
And uh, it was in the context of men's reaction to military compliance. Colonel Menninger described soldiers who were not openly defiant but expressed their disobedience, what he called aggressiveness, by passive measures such as pouting, stubbornness, procrastination, inefficiency, and passive obstructionism due to what Menninger saw as an immaturity and a reaction to routine military stress. According to some psychoanalytic views, noncompliance is not indicative of a true passive-aggressive behavior, which only confused me even more. So um, if you go to the website medicalnewstoday.com, I don't know why over the uh, the course of the last 24 hours this issue more than anything else so fascinated me. But I, it was one of those things where you just get down a rabbit hole of researching this and that. And I, and I thought, you know, I bet you the listeners have some good ideas of passive-aggressive behavior that they've observed. And I'd love to hear it. 800-848-9222. But if you go to medicalnewstoday.com, they cite seven examples of passive-aggressive behavior. And I think I'm guilty of several of these. One is lateness. Okay. Um, I try not to be late. You know, I'm never late for this radio show. Lateness is something that I think a lot of friends and family members will say that I'm guilty of. Two is avoidance. Now, what's avoidance? The examples they give on this website are procrastination, which I do. I do that better than anybody. I used to call myself a pro-procrastinator. Since I was a child, I've done that. Avoiding returning a loved one's call. Now, I don't know why I do that, but I do it. And I'm not proud of this, but that's true. I do avoid returning people's call. I hate it, actually, returning people's call. But when I wake up in the afternoon and I see I have three, four missed calls, I will do whatever I can to avoid returning those calls. I just I don't know what it is. I don't want to return any of those calls. Three. Avoiding certain topics of discussion, especially if they know the other person wants to discuss those topics. I think I do that from time to time. That's not a big one with me. Four, ignoring someone as a form of aggression, such as not uh, as by not approaching them at a party. Um, That is um, not really me. Although I've done that. That is um, in a political like in the in the political arena. If you're at a political function where you see a lot of political adversaries, I do aggressively kind of not say hello to someone. Uh, The third thing they list here is weaponized kindness. Sometimes people use ostensibly kind or helpful acts to display their emotions. For example, a person who is angry that a family member forgot their birthday might then in turn Go the extra mile to celebrate that person's birthday. Then make comments about how they could never ignore such an important event. Four is sarcasm. I mean, almost everything I do is sarcastic. Does that make me passive aggressive? I didn't know that sarcasm was a was a part of passive aggression. Five is silence. The silent treatment allows a person to punish someone else without actively doing anything. That might completely ignore calls or emails, refuse to talk only about certain subjects, or selectively withdraw from time to time. 
Six is subtle digs. This is all from Medical News Today. Subtle digs or negative comments are a common form of passive aggression. For example, a person might comment on a topic they know makes another person uncomfortable, such as their dating life or wait, I don't do that. And seven is weaponized incompetence. Weaponized incompetence is when a person pretends to be incompetent as a way of either avoiding an unpleasant task or punishing another person. I hate to say this. I do that. I act more incompetent at certain areas than I actually am. And it is a form of passive aggression. And I uh, am not proud of that. And I don't know why I'm that way. But if you have any advice, I would love to hear it. Or, But really what I'd love to hear is your examples of passive aggressive behavior. I made a couple, uh, a list of a few, but I'd much rather hear yours. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Let me begin with Baina in Brooklyn. Hello, Baina. Yes, Mr. Mr. Uh, Mr. Frank. Please call me Frank. I, I'm going to. Hi, uh, your screener asked me to make it short, so I'll make it short. You know, I, I, um, I'm not a psychiatrist nor a psychologist, and w- one of my daughters is a psychologist now. But uh, the point is, I'll do what your screener said. To me, passive aggressiveness, and and I was, you know, I was in medical school for a while. Uh, passive aggressive, and but I own a company. Passive aggressive to me is to be diplomatic and have employees feel comfortable, not feel as though um, I'm up, I'm uh, a little miffed with the employee or the employee is having a warning. By putting, you know, you, you know the example that you gave, Frank, about putting it in an email and not putting a name on it mm-hmm. by a boss. Uh, if if that is during a meeting, uh, as such, let's say it's a very large meeting. Uh, um, the uh, who, who I'm specifically referring to will not uh, feel uncomfortable because I'm not mentioning his or her name, and I think it'll kind of um, uh, get a, the employees will have a better understanding. Now I'm not with um, I'm not running a top corporation. You know, it's 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 not a Nasdaq corporation that has gone through an IPO. But the point is, I think it'll help employees to feel more comfortable and at the same time understand what the policies are. Don't okay. you think uh, that yeah, might be so helpful? Yeah, so I think you're almost saying what what I was saying, which is that uh, passive mm-hmm. aggressiveness is not always necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly, especially for um, employees. Thank you, Frank. Thank you. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. So what, one of the things I did is I went back and searched my old emails for the term passive-aggressive, okay? So it's interesting when, um, you know, I first started dating my wife about seven years ago. We uh, she was involved in another relationship and uh, she broke up with me three times within four months. Right. So we'd start dating. She broke up with me and she said, I, you know, I want to work things out with this other relationship. I said, OK, God bless her. I, I would then go and start dating other women. And then she said, oh, you know, I like you again. I'm going to start dating you again. And I would break things off with the other women that I was dating and and and. Go out with Rachel. Then, um, same thing, right? And 
Then the last time that we got together and we stayed together since April, I think, of 2016, I broke all the relationships that I was having off with all the other women that I was dating. And one of these women, very nice girl, and I I feel bad about uh, how our relationship ended, but, you know, I'm sorry, but it's what happened. So one of the things that that uh, um, it's not her name, but we'll call her Laura. One of the things that Laura did was she unsubscribed from my email list. You know, I have an email list, and if you want to be on that email list, just email me and tell me you uh, you want to be you want to be on it. She unsubscribed my e- email list, and when you do that, there is you know there's a an explanation of why you're unsubscribing from the email list. And essentially she said uh, the reason she was unsubscribing, she checked the box and said, oh, I'm unsubscribing because Frank Moreno is a pathetic excuse for a man, right? Uh, Something along those lines. And I felt bad about that. But then, I shared this commentary with someone else at the time that I really trusted. And uh, this person said, you know, that's a really great passive aggressive. It's also a really funny passive aggressive way to get her point across was unsubscribing from this email list. One of the things that I do, and I was I never really did this with the intention of doing anything passive aggressive, but I don't really knew why I did it was I whenever people comment on my Facebook page or in the Facebook group or on Twitter or on Instagram, any form of social media, and they say something negative, I will either click like on their negative comment or I will retweet their negative comment about me. And someone, a listener, saw me doing that recently. And said, well, you know, that's uh, that's pretty passive aggressive of you. Uh, maybe you should be a little less passive and a little more aggressive. So that's uh, one of the kinds of things that I that I do. I'm curious what you've noticed p- other people doing. 800-848-9222. One of the things that I've done myself in several areas of life, I'm not proud of this, but I'm, when I was trying to do some self-analysis, this is the way it shook, w- shaked out. In the political arena, when I was a leader of a political party or involved in politics, sometimes you want to avoid a direct argument with someone, especially if it's someone that you like or you need on a certain political issue, and you end up getting someone else that's in that meeting or part of that discussion to be the bad guy and to make the argument that you want made. So you get them all ginned up, and they're the the lightning rod. They're the tip of the spear and not you. I guess that's an example of uh, of passive aggressive behavior. But uh, 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. I remember, for instance, oh, no, I'll save that story for another time. We'll get to people. One, two, three, four, five open lines if you want to comment. Steve is in Manhattan. Hello, Steve. Okay, there's going to be a passive aggressive phone call. Excellent. Uh, Frank, when, when you were talking to the liver doctor, were you guys like eating all the pizza and everything and just globbing it down? No, I haven't tried it yet. I'm going to try and make it out of here without uh, without trying it. 
Right. Well, p- passive aggressive just sounds like like one of those fancy terms. I realize that, that the countries, the people are very sensitive today. So if you directly confront them, you might have to have like group hugs in the office all day long. So that's why people have uh, uh, become more adapted to this type of behavior because of the fallout from direct criticism. People really fall to pieces and stuff. Listen, if you're being criticized by somebody who pulls you over to the side and wants to constructively criticize you and bring up some points, there's nothing wrong with that. But people today are really, they're super sensitive. They will not be, they will not be able to take any type of criticism. And if you do it in front of everybody, they'll probably fall apart. Now, Frank, listen, if I called your show every single night, right, you would start to remove large chunks of the audience from the other shows that are on at night, especially mm. that sports show down the dial. Would you be willing to want me to do that, or hey, you just uh, want me to call? Uh, Steve, I want you to come in studio. I mean, I would love for you to come in studio and spend an hour with me. Yeah, but I don't hear any female names that you're talking to all dudes. I mean, if you had hey, a bunch well, of- if we know if they know you're going to be here, then forget about it. We'll you'll they'll, they'll, you'll they'll, we'll be beating the women off with a stick. Not right. in a domestic violence kind of way, but in a polite kind of crowd control kind of a way. Yeah, no, of course it will be. No, but Steve, honestly, I would love to do, with you as one of the hallmarks of it, a, a caller-driven uh, night. W- won't, won't you come in studio for an hour or so? But why do I have to be physically in the studio? Because it, 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 it's better. It's Not better. It, no, it's it's better. Yeah, I don't know, but listen, listen. I'm willing to have a gas week with you. Get it, Steve, if they want. Let them just call in, call after calls. But you know how many people in this audience wanted me banned from talk radio? Well, I, I can right understand now. why. But Steve, what about what about coming in studio one day next week? What do you think? Um, right, well, let me let me think about that. But first of all, what is this with you with all the women? I didn't know you were with ladies, man. Well, no, I'm not anymore. But uh, back in my day, you know, it was, I had a day. Charles is in Queens. Hello, Charles. Yeah, hi, hi. Good morning, hi. 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 Uh, I'm trying to figure out, with everything that you accomplish, being 20 hours a week on the radio, and it takes a hell of a lot of uh, preparation, how the heck could you be procrastinating? Maybe you're procrastinating other parts of your life, but it doesn't seem to me like you're procrastinating regarding your shows. Well, I, I, I procrastinate. With almost everything. I'll give you an example. Like, I'm supposed to give these remarks in Deer Park tonight. I have been saying to myself, you know, I'm going to write out something in advance that I'm going to say tonight. I have not written anything. So I guarantee you I am going to work on this, you know, um, uh, if at all, on the way to Deer Park, Long Island. Uh, That's one example. It's, uh, you know... Definitely a good example, but at the same time, you have so many pressures to prepare things that I can't blame you and call it a flaw. Well, thank you. Okay, thank give you. me a break. You know, it's like I'll do it later, and, and you do do it later. Well, I appreciate true. that. Thank you very you much. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm saying the way I feel. Also, I'm confused. Like, I also procrastinate. I mean, I, I do get things done eventually, whatever, but I do procrastinate, and I am late. I would say that's probably a function of um, – um, Maybe it's ADHD. Maybe I don't have executive function, time management. Call it what you want. I'm not being aggressive, passive aggressive or aggressive. I'm not. Unless you want to get psychological and say subconsciously I'm screwing myself up because I'm angry at myself. So I'm being passive aggressive to myself to be late and mess myself up. 
or, or to procrastinate the message of up. Uh, you can get deep. But some of the, like you mentioned yourself, some of the passive-aggressive terminologies aren't really, the way I see it, and I think you see it that way too, aren't really passive-aggressive. Then again, there are people that are, um, what's it called, a borderline syndrome, something, uh, something borderline, which is a misnomer. These people are not borderline. They're nuts. <laughs> and they do digs. They do, they do all sorts of supposed innocent comments. I didn't mean anything by that. Uh, you know, couched in certain ways yeah. that is misleading. Charles, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I'd love to really get some great examples from people of passive exa- uh, passive aggressive behavior that they themselves have observed. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a boss. Maybe it's a stranger. But what is the best example of passive-aggressive behavior you've seen? A question. Since before your son burned hot in space and before your race was born, I have awaited a question. i tell you the one that I think I'm probably the most guilty of is somebody does something that I don't like. And instead of... And maybe this is just me being lily-livered and spineless, but instead of me confronting them and talking to them about it and explaining why I don't like it, what I will almost always do without fail is instead of talking to the person that did something that I didn't like, I will then go on the radio and complain about that type of behavior. So maybe that person hears it, maybe they don't. Maybe they know it's directed towards them. Maybe they don't. Now, I'm not sure what that says about my psychology. I'm sure it's nothing healthy. But I think that's probably the worst thing that I that I do. 800-848-9222. Joe is in Ron Konkama. Hello, Joe. Hey, Frank. Another great show. Uh, I'm very – my wife's very passive, aggressive. We're on the opposite. Well, what does she do? Tell me what your wife does that's an example of passive aggressiveness. Like, I'm very organized, and I got to do things a certain way where, like, we divide and conquer in the house. Like, she'll do some cleaning, I'll do some cleaning, and she'll wait until the last minute, and she'll, you know, and she'll try to blow things off, and, you know, and she's always like, you know, she thinks that you should relax and enjoy life, where I like to get things, I'm very organized, and it's, like she'll she'll just try to blow things off all the time, and she likes to have a good time all the time, which I like to have a good time also, Frank. But um, I'm just—it must be the Italian in me. I'm just—she says I'm always worried about stuff. I'm always thinking ten steps ahead, where she just likes to, you know, sit back and just watch the grass grow, and I just can't do that. Yeah, it sounds like um, it sounds like I am your wife in your relationship and you're my wife in our relationship. So I I think uh, I I can I can very much appreciate where both of you are coming from. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Roger is in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Hello, Roger. Yeah, hi. Uh, I'd like to give two short uh, examples. One that my mother used to do would be to let somebody stoop. You know that you know they've done wrong, and now they're standing there, you know, to uh, apologize or something. And my mother would, would ignore them for, for about five minutes. 
the same thing as, let's say, a, 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 child, a, a boy was uh, caught shoplifting someday, and he's got to go take it over to the manager, and the manager is going about his business, and he's standing there, and he's stewing because the manager is letting him stew uh, before addressing uh, this, the, uh, the, the situation. Uh, the other one was uh, was um, I was at a house, a girlfriend's a parents' house, and and her mother turned to her and was talking about uh, start talking about someone uh, teaching a little boy about not uh, their, uh, keeping their elbows on a table while they eat. And I thought to myself, oh my elbows! Not there. I took my elbow off the table, and she, and she and the, the mother looked to see well how I was going to react. So those are two examples. Ah, well, those are both good. Those are both good. Roger, thank you for that. 800-848-9222. We'll do one or two more, and then we'll uh, we'll get to the $1,000 minute. Philip is in Suffolk County. Philip, I hope I'm going to see you today. Oh, I wish I could. Good morrow. Yeah, the situation is, I don't. Yeah, I woke up early today. Otherwise, uh, normally I listen to uh, bits and pieces as I wake. But uh, I can't drive, so I have to tell the bus service to come today. Oh, before. okay, all right, so, fair but, enough. That's yeah, that's anyway, a that's a anyway, valid listen. excuse, Philip. Okay. Oh, yeah, listen, listen. I, I'd be there if I could. Okay. Um, yeah, situations. I live my life uh, mostly. I grew up by myself and stuff. And and uh, when I used to entrust people, you know, like when I'd get a situation where you know uh, I'd get uh, to meet someone, whether it was to, uh, to entrust my friendship or whatever, and uh, I would place myself a lot of like of uh, feeling into it and uh if they disappointed me and they hurt my feelings that's when i got aggressive because i'd be passive and i put myself out there and i'd set the expectations on them so i get hurt and then i get aggressive mm. and that's where the sarcasm came in because if they hurt me that's how i hurt people through sarcasm mm. but uh, i've learned thank god not to you know, uh, growing a lot and, uh, you know, I, I, uh, my faith is, uh, just dictated that, uh, I trust God. And so, uh, Philip, that's, that's, that's what I that's what I was going to ask you, Philip. So, um, how did you achieve that level of growth? Was it primarily through your faith or was it through any sort of other social development oh, or absolutely. psychological development that you did? Oh, well, absolutely. I mean, I, uh, uh, I'm 60, at least 64 in October. I drank and used drugs, uh, three quarters of my life. But uh, the bottom line is, in 2010, uh, I got my uh, third uh, uh, infraction, you know, a traffic thing. So I lost out of TDL, so I lost my call. I uh, I see. So when I see. God stepped in, leveled the life, I was in shock for like two or three years. But all this time, even though it was like it's now 12, uh, 12, uh, 12 years, uh, you know, since that happened, it took about, sure. I'd say the last two years, I really found that piece that uh, I'm like, you know what, I have the service I with. It's like I always thought, I got to work, got to work what I work. But now it's like because I see that of the disappointment and all the, the you know, I had to get my life leveled. I, I got, obviously, God stepped in. Thank God nobody got hurt. I didn't get hurt. I didn't kill him, you know. And, uh, you know, the lesson I learned. And uh, I'm very thankful. Well, that's great. I'm glad you're doing well now. I'm glad you're doing yeah. well now, Philip. I'm sorry I won't see you. We're squeezing uh, one more here. Annie is in Manhattan. Hello, Annie. Good morning. morning. Okay, basically what you're describing in terms of you using the radio to get your point across, I see it as being very cowardly and not confronting people. I I think you're exactly right. I mean, uh, that's, that's, I think, 
what what causes uh, passive aggressive behavior. Uh, not everybody has a platform like I do, but yeah, I think you're exactly right. No, it is cowardly. Totally. And also, Frank, you really talk too much about yourself. You just go on and on. How many phone calls? I want to hear other people. I want to hear. And then you're just talking about yourself. You got to get a grip on it. I mean, you're not that interesting. I'm I, sorry. I will you're work on not. it. I will work on Thank it. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Have a good, good. weekend. 800-848-9222. Hey, we're going to give away $1,000, and I will avoid the temptation to talk about myself for a few minutes. If you are the seventh caller to 800-848-9222, we will give you a chance to win $1,000 if you can answer 10 trivia questions in 60 seconds. Go ahead and call right now, and if you're the seventh caller, we'll give you a chance to answer these trivia questions now, if you don't know what day of the week it is, if you don't know how many letters of the alphabet there are, if you don't know how many continents are on the planet, if you don't know, um, you know, what, uh, you know, what the, the four directions on a compass are, don't call. For the rest of you, if you know those things, you'll be fine. You'll be able to make. That's very passive aggressive. Is it? Yeah, because you're saying if you're a dummy, don't call. Just well, no, say dummy. No, I don't want to call anybody dumb. <laughs> See, but passive aggressive. Well, maybe you're right. I guess uh, I guess you and Annie are right. All right, 800-848-9222, seventh caller, straight ahead. Why don't you just apologize? Every two minutes, a woman in the U.S. is diagnosed with breast cancer. And in that split second, her life changes forever. The toll of breast cancer is great. The need to support those who are battling the disease today is even greater. We're fighting alongside patients because we know one moment can change a lifetime. United by hope, we can end breast cancer. Join our fight. Save lives. If a natural disaster comes knocking, how prepared is your family? You can't just close the door on earthquakes, floods, or hurricanes and hope they go away. That's why it's important to make a plan now. Ready.gov plan has the tools and tips you need to prepare your family for an emergency. So if disaster shows up at your doorstep, you'll be ready. Visit ready.gov plan and make a plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Here comes the weekend indeed. Hopefully I'll see a bunch of you tonight. Hey, you know what? I just got a message on uh, the Facebook. And you can message me at uh, facebook.com slash moranofan. I got a message from Joe in Ronkonkoma. He's going to try and come to this event in Deer Park tonight. So if you're not going to come and meet me, if you're not going to come for the free food, if you're not going to come for the free Prosecco, then at least come and uh, see Joe and Ron Conkema. Isn't that a treat, right? And I actually, uh, I, I, got, uh, I got word that somebody very important might be in the building tonight. So I don't want to say who because 
if he or she doesn't show up, I don't want to. I don't want to have everybody disappointed in me that uh, I hyped that they were coming and they didn't. But it could be somebody really big. Otherwise, it's just me and and Frank McKay. But we'll have a good time. It's in Deer Park. Um, it's at a place called the Other Room, and uh, it's at uh, fa- it's um, from six to nine p.m. It's at uh, 511 Comac Road in Deer Park. So that'll be fun. That'll be something. And uh, you know you know who's going to be there tonight as well? I just got word. Jeffrey Gurian, who's one of my favorite guests to talk to, he's going to be uh, there as well. All right. Uh, without further ado, it is time for us to try and give away some money. It's time for... The Other Side of Midnight presents... It's the $1,000 Minute. Answer 10 questions correctly in one minute, and you could win $1,000. Here's your host, Frank Morano. Thank you. Let us say hello to Cynthia in Garfield, New Jersey. Hello, Cynthia. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, thank you. Do you, uh, do you know who uh, Garfield, New Jersey was named for? <laughs> okay, let's the, I mean, uh, this is not. A, this is just. Garfield? That's right. <laughs> that's right. Garfield? That is yes. absolutely right. It was named for President Garfield in, um, I think, 1917 or so, right around there. No, actually, it was in 1881, right after he was assassinated. So that makes oh, okay. uh, that makes sense. So uh, okay, uh, before that, the the community was called East Passaic. Isn't Garfield a better name than East Passaic? I think it is. I think so. All yes. right. So, Cynthia, you know the rules of the game, right? Yeah, and they uh, answer ten questions correctly. Exactly, and, uh, and and if you don't, if you answer correctly, that means we're just going to move on to the next question, so we can run through them. Okay. 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 What do you call a doctor who specializes in teeth? A dentist. What fruit is wine generally made from? Grapes. What sport do the New York Yankees play? Oh, baseball. What is the largest country in South America? Oh, let's see. Argentina? No, I'm sorry. Oh. It is Brazil. Brazil. Yeah, Brazil. I should have known that. Uh, So, yeah, you got up to you got up to question number Four. Four. Uh, so uh, that's I okay. I would. Yeah, no, that's okay. Uh, uh, Cynthia, I'm going to put you on hold. Give Avery your information, and we will uh, send you a consolation prize, okay? Maybe I'll see you when I'm in Garfield, New Jersey. I like Garfield, New Jersey. There's a lot of interesting things out there. Uh, for whatever reason, there's certain communities you end up going to more often than not. All right. Um, so, hey, I ran into, uh, when we had our WABC um, softball game, at the Staten Island Ferry Hawks a couple of weeks ago, I ran into my friend Andrew Giuliani. Looks great, by the way. Doing great. Working hard. Campaigning very hard for uh, Lee Zeldin. Everybody agrees, whether they voted for Andrew uh, Giuliani or not, that he acquitted himself pretty well in the gubernatorial race. And a lot of folks think he has a very bright political future. I-, I can't tell you how many people have come up to me and said, hey, Andrew Giuliani should run for this seat or run for that seat or or whatever. Uh, but whatever, it was good to see him. And um, his daughter is a week younger than my son. Okay. Then I 
run into him at the game. Well, actually, my wife ran into him, and they're making conversation. And wouldn't you know it, Andrew's daughter is already starting to crawl. Now, my son Carmine, who's a week older than his daughter, is not crawling. He does a little bit of a backwards crawl, right? He kind of worms his way backwards. He he won't go forward. He just kind of slides backwards while with his stomach on the on the ground. And then I was talking to my friend Arthur, who's a great guy, who has a daughter, beautiful baby girl, Ariana. She's, I think, two weeks older than my son. So you have these two girls, Ariana and Grace, who are both essentially Carmine's age. One's a week younger, one's a couple of weeks older, and both of them are crawling. Now, Carmine is not. So I did some research, and my wife, who has seven younger siblings and is pretty well-versed in child-rearing, all of the research said the same thing, that uh, it's nothing to be worried about, that, uh, you know, sometimes people don't crawl at all. They go right to walking. Sometimes uh, babies don't crawl until 10 months, whatever the case may be. But... Uh, I what I keep now I keep trying to kind of inspire Carmine by telling him all these stories about all these other babies his age who are crawling, including one who's younger. I said, "Come on, c- come on, Carmine! You know these girls around you are all crawling, and you're sitting there." So so far, that level of that sort of motivation doesn't seem to be doing much for him. He still just sits there. So that's uh, that's that. Um, all right. So the um, the pizza did arrive while I was talking to Dr. Joe Galati. And uh, Matt Blaze, have you had occasion to sample the pizza? I did. You, Very what, good. What was what was the review? Oh, it was excellent. You enjoyed it? I did. You did? Okay, good. All right. And uh, was that the consensus from everybody else that's here? As far as I know. As far as you're aware. Okay. All right. Good. All right, we're going to do 15 seconds of fame coming up in uh, in just a minute. I'll tell you, though, one of the things that I did do in Cape May, New Jersey, is I saw the last two Scream films. Uh, I, I enjoy horror movies, and uh, my wife hates them. So I don't get to watch them that much. Once in a while, you know. And they did one thing in the last Scream movie that I just hate. Now, the last Scream film should have been called Scream 5 because it's a sequel. It's a, basically, it's it's not quite a sequel. They call it a requel, which is part reboot, part sequel. And they, they it's a joke even within the film. But um, they just call the film Scream. And they did the same thing with Halloween. I hate that. Where uh, there was already a film called Scream. There was already a film called Halloween. You don't get to just have a sequel and call it the same name as another film that already came out. But anyway, um, I saw the last two Scream films, Scream 4, which came out about 10 years ago, and uh, the most recent Scream. And they were both pretty good. They were both pretty good uh, if you like the franchise. I mean, you, you either know whether you like the stuff or not. I would say the the second, the, the one that just came out, Scream, 
is the best film in this franchise since the original. So I would say uh, the original by far is the best. But other than the original, I think the one that came out uh, most recently is the next best, is my opinion. Um, So if you like horror movies, I think you will like the new Scream film, if you didn't see it. It just came out uh, less than a year ago. So uh, if you enjoy horror movies, you won't be disappointed with that. It's, you know, a lot of horror, but it's also a lot of comedy. My two cents. All right. 800-848-9222. We'll do 15 seconds of fame straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Here comes the weekend indeed. Hopefully I'll see a bunch of you tonight. Hey, you know what? I just got a message on uh, the Facebook. And you can message me at uh, facebook.com slash moranofan. I got a message from Joe in Ronkonkoma. He's going to try and come to this event in Deer Park tonight. So if you're not going to come and meet me, if you're not going to come for the free food, if you're not going to come for the free Prosecco, then at least come and uh, see Joe and Ron Conkema. Isn't that a treat, right? And I actually, uh, I, I, got, uh, I got word that somebody very important might be in the building tonight. So I don't want to say who, because if he or she doesn't show up, I don't want to... I don't want to have everybody disappointed in me that uh, I hyped that they were coming and they didn't. But it could be somebody really big. Otherwise, it's just me and and Frank McKay. But we'll have a good time. It's in Deer Park. Um, it's at a place called The Other Room. And uh, it's at uh, uh, it's um, from 6 to 9 p.m. It's at uh, 511 Comac Road in Deer Park. So that'll be fun. That'll be something. And uh, you know you know who's going to be there tonight as well? I just got word. Jeffrey Gurian, who's one of my favorite guests to talk to, he's going to be uh, there as well. All right. Uh, without further ado, it is time for us to try and give away some money. It's time for... The Other Side of Midnight presents... It's the $1,000 Minute. Answer 10 questions correctly in one minute, and you could win $1,000. Here's your host, Frank Morano. Thank you. Let us say hello to Cynthia in Garfield, New Jersey. Hello, Cynthia. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, thank you. Do you uh, do you know who uh, Garfield, New Jersey was named for? <laughs> okay, let's see. The, I mean, uh, this is not. President this is Garfield? just. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Garfield? That is yes. absolutely right. It was named for President Garfield in, um, I think, 1917 or so, right around there. No, actually, it was in 1881, right after he was assassinated. So that makes oh, okay. uh, that makes sense. So uh, okay, uh, before that, the the community was called East Passaic, 
Isn't Garfield a better name than East Passaic? I think it is. I think so. All right. So, Cynthia, you know the rules of the game, right? Yeah, name, uh, answer ten questions correctly. Exactly, and, uh, and and if you don't, if you answer correctly, that means we're just going to move on to the next question, so we can run through them. Okay. 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 What do you call a doctor who specializes in teeth? A dentist. What fruit is wine generally made from? Grapes. What sport do the New York Yankees play? Oh, baseball. What is the largest country in South America? Oh, let's see. Argentina? No, I'm sorry. Oh. It is Brazil. Brazil. Yeah, Brazil. I should have known that. Uh, So, yeah, you got up to you got up to question number Four. Uh, so uh, that's I okay. I would. Yeah, no, that's okay. Uh, uh, Cynthia, I'm going to put you on hold. Give Avery your information, and we will uh, send you a consolation prize, okay? Maybe I'll see you when I'm in Garfield, New Jersey. I like Garfield, New Jersey. There's a lot of interesting things out there. Uh, for whatever reason, there's certain communities you end up going to more often than not. All right. Um, so, hey, I ran into, uh, when we had our WABC um, softball game, at the Staten Island Ferry Hawks a couple of weeks ago, I ran into my friend Andrew Giuliani. Looks great, by the way. Doing great. Working hard. Campaigning very hard for uh, Lee Zeldin. Everybody agrees, whether they voted for Andrew uh, Giuliani or not, that he acquitted himself pretty well in the gubernatorial race. And a lot of folks think he has a very bright political future. I-, I can't tell you how many people have come up to me and said, hey, Andrew Giuliani should run for this seat or run for that seat or or whatever. Uh, But whatever, it was good to see him. And um, his daughter is a week younger than my son, okay? Then I run into him at the game. Well, actually, my wife ran into him, and they're making conversation. And wouldn't you know it, Andrew's daughter is already starting to crawl. Now, my son, Carmine, who's a week older than his daughter, is not crawling. He does a little bit of a backwards crawl, right? He kind of worms his way backwards. He he won't go forward. He just kind of slides backwards while with his stomach on the, on the ground. And then I was talking to my friend Arthur, who's a great guy, who has a daughter, beautiful baby girl, Ariana. She's, I think, two weeks older than my son. So you have these two girls, Ariana and Grace, who are both essentially Carmine's age. One's a week younger, one's a couple of weeks older, and both of them are crawling. Now, Carmine is not. So I did some research, and my wife, who has seven younger siblings and is pretty well-versed in child-rearing, all of the research said the same thing, that uh, it's nothing to be worried about, that, uh, you know, sometimes p- people don't crawl at all. They go right to walking. Sometimes uh, babies don't crawl until 10 months, whatever the case may be. But uh, I, wa- I keep now I keep trying to kind of inspire Carmine by telling him all these stories about all these other babies his age who are crawling. Including one who's younger. I said, come on, come on, Carmine, you know, 
these girls around you are all crawling and you're sitting there. So, so far, that level of that sort of motivation doesn't seem to be doing much for him. He still just sits there. So that's uh, that's that. Um, all right. So the um, the pizza did arrive while I was talking to Dr. Joe Galati. And uh, Matt Blaze, have you had occasion to sample the pizza? I did. You, Very what, good. What was what was the review? Oh, it was excellent. You enjoyed it. I did. You did. Okay, good. All right. And uh, what, what, was that the consensus from everybody else that's here? As far as I know. As far as you're aware. Okay. All right. Good. All right. We're going to do 15 seconds of fame coming up in uh, in just a minute. I'll tell you, though, one of the things that I did do in Cape May, New Jersey, is I saw the last two Scream films. Uh, I, I enjoy horror movies, and uh, my wife hates them. So I don't get to watch them that much. Once in a while, you know. And they did one thing in the last Scream movie that I just hate. Now, the last Scream film should have been called Scream 5 because it's a sequel. It's a, basically, it's it's not quite a sequel. They call it a requel, which is part reboot, part sequel. And they, they it's a joke even within the film. But um, they just call the film Scream. And they did the same thing with Halloween. I hate that. Where uh, there was already a film called Scream. There was already a film called Halloween. You don't get to just have a sequel and call it the same name as another film that already came out. But anyway, um, I saw the last two Scream films, Scream 4, which came out about 10 years ago, and uh, the most recent Scream. And they were both pretty good. They were both pretty good uh, if you like the franchise. I mean, you, you either know whether you like the stuff or not. I would say the the second, the, the one that just came out, Scream, is the best film in this franchise since the original. So I would say uh, the original by far is the best. But other than the original, I think the one that came out... Uh, most recently, is the next best, is my opinion. Um, so if you like horror movies, I think you will like the new Scream film, if you didn't see it. It just came out less than a year ago. So uh, if you enjoy horror movies, you won't be disappointed with that. It's, you know, a lot of horror, but it's also a lot of comedy. My two cents. All right. 800-848-9222. We'll do 15 seconds of fame straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight. One million people. That's how many people go blind each year. That's a staggering number. Hi, I'm Randall Lavolio, President and CEO of Sea International. By the end of this year, one million men, women, and children will have gone blind. 285 million people worldwide are visually impaired, and 90% of them live in developing countries. Here's an even more sobering fact. Every 60 seconds, somewhere in the world, a child goes blind. They will live their lives unable to see the beautiful world around them if they don't get the treatment they need. Yet 80% of all these cases could have been prevented or treated. The only thing they lack is access to proper eye care. Sea International is a Santa Barbara-based nonprofit dedicated to getting them that care. All it takes is about $100 to restore someone's sight and transform their life forever. For more information, go to our website at seainternational.org. It's-
It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. You could start queuing up to be heard for 15 seconds, 800-848-9222. Hopefully you're doing something fun this weekend. We have our weekly staff meeting right after the show. And uh, then I am going to get get some sleep, try and think of something to say that people will find amusing or inspiring tonight. And then uh, I will make the long trek out to Deer Park, and hopefully I'll see a bunch of you out there tonight from uh, 6 to 9. If you want information uh, or anything like that, you can email me at frank.morano at wabcradio.com. That's uh, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. I also want to encourage you to uh, join our Facebook group. Now, the Facebook group is meant for discussions, including criticism about this show. If um, I've said something that you find foolish or I've said something you find interesting or uh, whatever the case may be, that's the place to do it. Or I have a guest that you find interesting or whatever the do, whatever the case may be. So I got a really interesting email from a person yesterday who took issue with my characterization of the Demi Lovato segment. And they did not want to... um, This is exactly the kind of post that I would love to see more of in the Facebook group, even though it's critical of me. But it's so thoughtful. It's so thorough. It's not just reactionary for being reactionary sake. And it's it's really the kind of thing that makes you think. So I'm going to post it in the Facebook group in the hopes that people will read it and, you know, react to it or think in whatever the case may be. It's very thoughtful. I would just ask, as always, if you react to it, please be kind, be courteous. No, argue, no, you can argue, but don't be mean to anybody. That's the only thing I would ask. All right. Without further ado, it is time for you to be heard for 15 seconds, 800-848-9222. Hey, I just heard from uh, Donna in um, Huntington. She said she was walking at eight months. Walking at eight months? My son's not even crawling. Now I do think maybe he's fallen behind. Oh, gee. I'm going to use that to inspire him today when I get home. Uh, it is time for... The Other Side of Midnight. This is 15 Seconds of Fame. 800-848-9222. Be heard for 15 seconds. Any subject is fine. Fred and Yonkers. Hey, Frank, I'm on a park today. The guy next to me is in all the fifth. 
Fred, whatever you've done with your phone uh, recently, undo it, is my advice. Victor in Manhattan. Uh, the most thrilling and intense low-budget film that most of your listeners will ever see was Duel, starring Dennis Weaver, produced in the 1970s. 800-848-9222. E. Frank is in Astoria. Yes, let me tell you something. If J. Edgar Hoover was still alive today, he would be very impressed by what Chris Ray and the Federal Bureau of Idiocy, Idiosyncrasy is doing with Donald Trump. 800-848-9222. Stewart is in Manhattan. Read the Janine Machine by Richard Blasberg and Twisted Justice at CNN.com. Janine Machine by Richard Blasberg and Twisted Justice at CNN.com. An innocent New York City cop was sent to prison by Rogue DA Janine Barrow. 800-848-9222. Mike is in Lake George. Hey, good morning, Frank. I tuned in late this morning. You know, back in the day, I played college baseball. I studied psychology and passive aggressive. That lady that called earlier. Hey, man, he's not that interesting. Are you kidding me? Why, why does he have a national show? Why, why don't you get a hobby? Why don't hey, you get a hobby? Yeah, look, you know, I, I'm not offended. People shouldn't get upset. She's expressing her opinion. I, I, I'm sitting here giving the phone number for four hours, inviting people to express their opinion. Can't get upset when someone expresses their opinion. You've got a problem. If people have an issue, you know, different strokes for different folks. I think the ratings speak for themselves. 800-848-9222. Joseph is in Parkchester. If you want to find out everything about the CRT homosexuality propaganda that's being taught in the schools and infecting our children's brain, pick up a copy of The Culture of Critique by Dr. Kevin McDonald. That's The Culture of Critique by Dr. Kevin McDonald. 800-848-9222. Mike is on Staten Island. Frank, be careful what you ask for. Um, All human beings grow up and they walk. It's not going to be a problem with your son. And, uh, you know, the quicker he starts walking, that's when the problem starts. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I have heard. Uh, thank you, Mike. We will end it on that on that promissory note. Um, if you want to stay in touch over the weekend, remember, Saturday is my digital detox day. So I will not be checking email after Michael Smirconish's show Saturday morning. Hopefully, I'll see a lot of you tonight in Deer Park. Looking forward to that. Come armed with some good questions. And uh, I'll be back on Monday. Got some really interesting things uh, planned for for next week. And uh, some interesting news related to the show that I'm excited to share with you come next week as well. So be, uh, be be sure to tune in for that. All right. For those of you listening on WABC in New York, be sure to listen to Frank Diaz. He's filling in on the WABC Early News. Have a great weekend, everybody. Should be some nice weather. Frank Moreno, good day.